It has been another great year in Anderson, everybody, and it's time to look back at the year that just passed and look ahead to an even better one. Even with all these weeks of rain and unusually warm temperatures and spring-like thunderstorms, a lot of this has alleviated our moderate, our moderate drought status, but it is washing out a lot of post-Christmas week and early year uh, holiday celebrations and getting out that a lot of people are looking forward to. The war- warm air feels a bit feverish, and so do a lot of our local citizens. And we need a nice cold winter breeze to come in and clear things out, which is what we're going to get this week. Like every year before it, 2021 brought challenges and celebrations, and the rain fell on the just and the unjust, just like it always does. Well, this week's podcast, we'll look back at some of the year's significant stories, recap some of the events that happened in our area, and look ahead to our new year. It'll also include updates for those who are working to make our home a better place to work, live, and play. An interview with someone who wants to take his Anderson leadership experience to the state level. News, events, and more all on the first 2022 edition of the Anderson Podcast. News from people you trust. The final weeks of the year seem to be second verse, same as the first. The pandemic still looming large and promising to be a major issue. And as we head ahead into 2022, the Omicron variant is showing no signs of letting up and the county is getting blasted by it. And so is the state. Uh, the good news is those who have been vaccinated are experiencing milder symptoms and fewer requiring hospitalization. The bad news is the variant seems to be the most contagious to date, and a lot of adults who are infected are expecting extremely mild symptoms are not experiencing as mild as they expected and have been laid up for a week or more. Some had their holidays wiped out by the quarantine of of COVID. Uh, Testing is difficult to come by, and uh, we hope those things are all going to catch up. It's all been fed by holiday travel, and the statewide reporting more than 24,000 new cases in the past week as a new record, and Anderson continues to lag in vaccination rates with fewer than half of our eligible citizens above 18 fully vaccinated, and even smaller percentage if you count all that are eligible to be vaccinated. Everyone is weary of this pandemic, and nobody is more weary of it than I am, I can promise you that. But that's not going to change in the year ahead, and neither is the fact that we're still going to have to deal with this virus, and we need to continue our efforts to fight it with vaccines, masks, and common sense. We can't all do this. The question is, will we all join the effort? Uh, In a year that began with Anderson County setting up vaccination clinics to eligible citizens, it ends with those sites still in place to this very day. Testing sites with a traditional deep swab of the nostrils are still set up at the Civic Center and Health Department and Med, some other locations. Uh, There are some home testing kits, but they're limited in supplies. If you want a fast uh, response test, good luck. There's not very many appointments available anywhere in driving distance of Anderson unless you want to pay a couple hundred dollars out of pocket. But the year also began with some sad news, as longtime Anderson County Councilwoman Gracie Floyd died of COVID-related symptoms. Um, Gracie had been suffering from a number of various ailments over the past few years, 
But until the very end, she was doing all she could to fight for the people in her district. Um, she was worried about folks being exposed to COVID, and she was worried about the, the future of, of her folks and her home district. And here's a short clip of my last interview with Gracie, which was just a few months before she passed away. 20 years, this September the 14th will, will be my 20th year. And for people who don't know, remind them how you decided to get involved with County Council. Well, I didn't decide. Um, when my husband died in 1999, May of 1999, I had several people to come to me to ask me if I would uh, run in his, you know, for that position because it was open at that time. And uh, I didn't want anything to do with county council. My thought was I was by myself, my children were gone, so I was going to find me a place to go. So I said no. And then throughout the, um, the funeral processions and all, the, and all the things that went on there, they came back and asked me again, and I said no. Well, we, um, we buried him on a Sunday, and on Monday morning I got a call from Floyd's um, campaign manager, who was a dear friend of ours, and he asked me to do it, to please do it. So I did it. After much fussing and, and, and complaining and a lot of crying, I did it. But I was so, I remember asking God, I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, then you, you have got to show me a sign. And here's what I want to see. Because I was so mad, I was so upset. I said, here's what I want to see. My God could take it. Well, um... I showed, told him the sign I wanted to see, and I saw it. And when I saw it, where I wanted to see it, I just fell on my knees, and I said, Lord, I yield. I yield. You know, I can't fight you. I can't fight you. But I need you to help me, and I need you to take care of me. So um, a week later, Floyd died on a Thursday. The next Thursday at 1 o'clock, because I was told he died about 1 there I was in the council chambers declaring my intentions to run for county council. Well, it was a uh, terrible ordeal. The, it was not easy. It was not easy. But I met with my sons. I have two sons, Gregory uh, William. Um, he's 47 now, I think. And Kenny uh, Wayne is 43. So I got the boys together and... Um, and we talked about it. And whatever came up, I told them that it was the Lord's decision that I run. So I had to do it, no matter what came up. So I ran, and it was okay. I ran. Um, the nicest thing I, I, I want to I tell you about is that our last son graduated from the University of South Carolina on a Saturday. Okay. And on the way home, we were talking about all this newfound income we were going to have. You know, no more, no more rent money, no more books, no more nothing. And what we were going to do with it. That was a Saturday. And the following Thursday, my husband was gone. Yeah. But uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Thanks to my friends. I have some wonderful friends. You know, I have just been blessed with my friends and uh, people who love me. 
genuinely love me. But uh, it's okay. I've been here. It will be 20 years. And I'm still up there. And it was a historic election. I mean, well, first of all, Coach Floyd was the first African-American member of county council. Yes, he was. And, and he you're was the first the woman. Uh -huh. He was the uh, chairman of the council when he passed. He was, yeah. But your background's in education. You're an educator for years. Yes, you know, I, I have done quite a few things, and I see it now as it all prepared me for this situation that I am, for this position. Uh, I taught economics at Tri-County Tech for, uh, for a while. I was a bookkeeper. Um, I taught bookkeeper, bookkeeping, excuse me, for a while. And uh, my background is uh, business administration with a concentration in accounting. Um, I have been in education, I have taught from the second grade all the way through senior citizens. And uh, I have done things that I didn't think that I would ever do. I was a counselor with vocational rehabilitation for eight years and I was what was called an evaluator. Uh, that job was to work with people to determine the type of position that they would uh, suit well in. So it seems like everything that I have done in the past, as far as a work history is concerned, was leading up for me to be able to understand things, to do things, and to work with um, different people. And you've always been known as somebody who gets out in the district and gets together with people. Remind people what your district is and who you serve. Okay, um, I have about 22,000 people in my district, but each of us have about that, um, th about that many. But uh, my district um, takes in uh, Homeland Park, um, Broadway Lake, the Varennes area, uh, near Pat Harris, um, up to Highway 29, uh, half of downtown, Anderson, and um, up to Pyramidary Road. So pretty good geographic area you're covering Yes, there. yes. And I have the most wonderful people in my district. Um, you start out working with them, and then they become friends. You know, they're my friends and they're my constituents. You know, some I dearly love. But uh, it's, it's really good. You know, and I would advise... Anybody who's sitting at home with nothing to do, get involved. Yeah, that's the thing that got me through for 20 years. I was involved. Now, before my husband passed, what I wanted to do, I did. All I wanted in this world was to be Greg and Kenny's mama and uh, Coach Floyd's wife. You know, you didn't have a name. This is Gracie. No, you're Coach Floyd's wife, you know, but... That was suitable. That was suitable. But um, what I'm doing now is just really wonderful. And Broadway Lake's part of your district. And you, oh, did I not say? You, well, I'm just gonna say, but you, yeah. yeah, you did. But that's that's been something you you've really worked hard to improve things out there. Yeah. When I um, when I looked at Broadway Lake, I saw the water, the houses, and the trees, and the grass, and the people. But then I saw something else. I saw a diamond a diamond in the rough. And I thought, this could really be something great. So the first thing we did was um, some friends of mine um, 
I don't know if they would like for me to say their names or not, but some friends and I got together and uh, we organized. An uh, organization with me comes like this. You the chairman, and you the treasurer, and you the... <laughs> and we organized, okay? And then they did the rest. They did the rest. They, uh, they knew what they wanted for that area, and they knew how they wanted it. And the only thing I did really was just sit around and said, uh-huh, okay, yeah, that'll work. But you've got a center out there now that's booked a year or more in advance. Oh, please don't let me tell you about that center, okay? It, uh, that center was a lot of harassment. Before we did that, we had a building out there. The toilet leaked. The kitchen floor would flood out. It was nasty. Um, it was just something that it was just sitting out there, okay? And people were trying their best to use it because they really needed it out there. So, given the chance um, to do something about it, we did. We did. We decided that we were going to put a new building out there. And uh, uh, we, work, we worked on that so hard. Then it was finished. Well, the big picture was it was there. It was there that we did it. And the only thing we did was we shined up that diamond a little bit more. And it's generating a lot of income and it's booked a year in advance, a lot of weddings, a lot of yes, parties and stuff out yeah, there. Yeah, it is never available hardly at all on a Saturday because people are out there, they see what they have, they're enjoying it, what they have. They can see their tax dollars at work and it doesn't cost that much to do it. Um, but it was the right thing to do. You know, and this, the thing that kept coming in my mind is, if God be for you, who can be against you? Thanks. What are some other things that you're proudest of from your time of service to the county? Well, I was in a meeting once with the president of Tri-County Tech, and he was telling us about the enrollment, and at that time I asked him about the African-American enrollment. He told me it was about 1%, and I just couldn't believe that. All this money we have to pay, and all of our people are not privy to this. So I um, researched the thing and then figured out it's transportation. A lot of our kids didn't have the transportation to get out there. So I worked mostly with, um, I went to our administrator and told him. And he was always so supportive. And he said, okay, he assigned Michael Cunningham to work with me. And oh boy, poor Mike, <laughs> he won't do that again because I, I rode him like a wet horse in a thunderstorm, okay, because I really wanted that. Well, we worked and, and uh, the administrator worked. In fact, he even um, got Mr. Hollings, I'm sorry, Senator Hollings, to come up with the money that we needed. He um, in, in employed some transportation experts to help us. Well, we had the money. We, uh, Michael went up to Clemson and talked with them. We had the money. We had the bus. All we needed now was the people. So uh, we, uh, we did it.
We did it. Now we have a transportation system that picks up students. I think they do it outside of Walmart and take them up to. And that thing was fixed so well that people who had jobs got on it as well and rode to different places so they could find jobs. And the transportation system could even lead them over to Clemson just by changing the bus and at Tri-County, get on the bus for Clemson. That was a good thing. And you had a real hand in expanding public transportation in the city, too, making sure people could get around by bus. Yes. Now, um, I must say that Michael Thompson, who was one of our council members during that time, had the area of Homeland Park. And uh, he left um, the council, and he left that project there. Then they gave Homeland Park to me, and I knew what I was going to do. The first thing we did out there, we got the transportation system online so it could work. It can bring people out of Homeland Park or to Homeland Park. And that really worked. And one more thing I want to say about the transportation to Tri-County Tech, it was free. They didn't have to pay a dime to do it. We had uh, one or uh, two council members that said later on, um, those people over there need to pay. Yeah, but I said that they already paid. They paid for the east-west connector with no car. They can't drive on that, so they've already paid. But eventually, council, the we call it the new council, the new council voted to make everybody pay. So it's, it's not a high fee, thank God for that. It's not a high fee, but um, they are paying. People are paying now to ride the bus. And now because of that, people can come from even Belton and some of the outlying areas, catch that bus and go to school. Yeah, yeah. I talked with Dickie Smith. Dickie um, is in charge of the, um, of the adult educational program over here. Dick and I had a talk, and he was saying that he was going to have to bring people to that center up on uh, North Main Street in order to get um, the educational opportunities that they need, but we didn't have any way. So um, um, that was just a conversation uh, with him and a few key other people that uh, to let them see just we needed to do this. I talked with the mayor about it, and then it was done. Also, another thing um, uh, that, that I'm proud of is my, um, my children, I call them my children, my kids, my District 2 children, okay. Um, there is a fantastic program here uh, in District 2. It's called Men at Work. All right, um, they have a group of young boys, young, young boys and young men that they're trying to work with. Give them opportunities, show them different things, and uh, they opened the door a little bit for me to get in there to work with them, and that's one of my joys uh, of, of doing that. Um, these men, uh, it's, it's, it's headed by uh, Marion Terrence. These, and Te Marion Terrence and Herbert Irvin and Mr. Simmons, I don't know his first name, but anyway, the three of them are the, uh, the the faces of it. They have other people, a lot of men, but they're the, really the faces of it. And uh, they work hard to show these guys that anything I can do or help uh, to expose them, 
to, a, uh, to the world, to life, and to just living. I try to do that, and, I, and I'm very, very proud of that. And during the summertime, we have a, a, a camping program at the Y. The Y has allowed me to um, buy in some children that um, we can send up to the Y camp during the summertime. Now, I try not to have the same children all the time because we only have so many we can serve. So each year it's a brand new crop of children that, that we send uh, up, to the, up to the Y camp for the summer. You talk a lot at council meetings about opportunities for your your citizens and your kids particularly. Uh -huh. That's always seems to have always been an important part of what you're doing as a council person. And Homeland Park, uh, with the help of the city and Bobby Bevel, uh, we looked around and we saw a need out there for the for the kids. And uh, Mr. Bevel and I worked together and uh, District 2 was able to fund a baseball program for these children. All right, uh, we thought that we were gonna have about maybe enough for a team, but it was overwhelming. It was really overwhelming. But uh, we, uh, we spent, District 2 spent $5,000 to start that baseball team, and it's still going on today. The children can play. They have several teams out there, and uh, that's one of my uh, that's one of the things that, that that I'm happy about that we were able to do. But working in District Two, you know, we've done a lot. We have done things that people don't even know we did. Did you know that in District Two we started the housing um, fixer up in? How can you say that? Well, like that's a word for yeah, yeah, repairs, yeah. Yeah, we demolished old, burnt down um, houses that were uh, very, very abused, very, very demeaning to the community. We were the first one to raise those houses. Uh, I was, I was uh, pleased with that. We were the first ones, and also opportunity came for us to get some money to um, rehab the houses, okay? Guess who was first in line? District 2, <laughs> okay? What we did, we went out, uh, now that was Terry Chapman. Terry Chapman uh, was, the, um, was the community leader. And uh, I chose, he was chosen the same way everybody else was chosen. You're going to be the community leader, I told him. And he was good. He went around to all the houses and passed out applications. And uh, the people followed through. We did this through the um, Appalachian Council of Government. And it was, it was phenomenal. It went over very well. People got their houses done, roofs done, air conditioner floors, kitchen floors done. And uh, that was one of, uh, of our crowning glories uh, when, when that happened. When I came on, there was only one community that was organized, okay? And uh, that one was um, Jebco. It's right 
down the street from the Broadway Lake, a community. They were already, so I took a page from their book and uh, we started organizing all the communities that we could because it made it so much easier to, to get things out and to find out what was going on. So we ended up with, um, Lord, I don't remember uh, the, the number, but it's a large number. I know we have Homeland Park now. We have um, uh, the East Side. I think that they may have been already started on that already. But um, we have Booker Susan Street. That's another that's another crown for us. But we have Booker Susan Street. Um, it was several of them. And uh, every month we had we had uh, a meeting, leaders meetings. And uh, first of all, when we first started this, Kurt Stutler, Kurt Stutler, Stutler is my, he's my partner. He's my rock, okay? But Kurt Stutler and I used to have meetings where we would train them about what to say, how to do it, what not to do, what to do, and, assist, and about the county. And it paid off well. That paid off too. But we've done a lot in 20 years. We have done a lot, yeah. That's the problem right there, okay? We can't live as we did 50 years ago. We have... Um, over 200,000 people here now, these people have, are, are, have to go somewhere. They are impacting the community, they impact the roads, they impact the schools and the fire station. We need more money in this area to accommodate all these people, all these people and, to, uh, and to help them get the things that they need in order to live here peacefully. This is one of the most beautiful places that you can live. Anderson County is absolutely beautiful, but we have to stop living like we did when uh, Grandpa was here. And we need to quit saying it was good enough for Grandpa, it's good enough for me. It's not. It's not good enough for you. It was good enough for him because he was satisfied, but we're not. But we have to open our eyes. And another thing we have to do, we have to start accepting people for where they are, if they're in the right place, and for who they are. Um, we need to stop this thing of uh, uh, picking and choosing and, um, and, 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 and being so, we need to be inclusive. And another thing, I don't believe in... Um, a trickle-down economy. I don't believe in that at all. I don't believe that you give all the money to the man at the top and it will trickle down to the man on the bottom. I, I just don't believe in that. I believe that you should help the man on the top and the man on the top and you should help the man on the bottom. That's how I feel about it. And it's, 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 not, it's not a secret that I'm very outspoken. Uh, I guess I could be very opinionated, but I don't understand what that means. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> they just choose whether or not they're going to say it or not. They're going to speak it or not, you know. But I am Gracie Floyd, and I'm a child of God. And I will keep on working until he tells me, okay, Gracie, you can go now and find you a nice place to live and go fishing. I love to fish. You can go fishing or... You could just sit on the porch and rock. I knew Gracie for a long time, and I think she would have been pleased with a successor to, who was elected to her seat, Anderson County Councilman Glenn Davis, who said Gracie was always 
an inspiration and a mentor for him. He has pro- proven a solid uh, representative for that district and is taking the same hands-on approach to the community in the spirit of Gracie. Like I said, I think she would be pleased. The beginning of the new year is also a good time to brag on those who made this past year better. Um, throughout the year, one of the shining lights of flexible and nimble leadership and service in response to the pandemic over the past really two years is the Anderson County Library System, which has continued to make their offerings available in spite of challenges from the pandemic, from electronic library cards being made available to those who didn't even have a card or would let theirs expire, to curbside delivery, to other creative things to keep the library up and running. The staff and leadership once again shown why it's the top library system in the state. Uh, they even closed the year with an innovative program in partnership with the county and others to provide Wi-Fi hotspots to be checked out for those in areas who don't have broadband. It's a place where you can even check out free passes to South Carolina State Parks, get free seeds for your garden, or even check out fishing equipment. They've just done an amazing job there. Longtime library director Faith Lyon, who sort of made this library into what it is today, and is deserving of her uh, election to the State Library Hall of Fame. And her legacy, she retired this year, and her legacy lives on through Annie Sutton, who took her place, the new director. Uh, Annie also exemplifies a commitment to community through her volunteer efforts, including the founding of Grinier Anderson, which is a local initiative designed to bring more environmental awareness to the Anderson community and to inspire and promote sustainability to keep our city and county and upstate more green. You can check out the Greener Anderson Facebook page if you want more information on that program. It's a good program. The Anderson Observer, News from People You Trust, was founded to report local news, to shine light on things that are important to this community, and to champion those who are doing something to make this a better place to work, live, and play. And Annie Sutton and Faithline are certainly among those people. And another person in in that group is Brock Elder, whose lifelong love of soccer and desire to see local kids have a safe place to play and experience sports at Wellington and Homeland Park led to an overhaul of the historic sports area, one which hosted textile league baseball teams almost 100 years ago and was a central hub of sports activity in Anderson between the 1960s and 1990s. This new over-under initiative is a pilot program that will be replicated around the country, and it's bringing new life and an innovative playing surface that can host a variety of sports, uh, as well as upgrading the fields, playground, and other things at Wellington Park. And I talked to Brock and to Water Commissioner Walter Lanier, who is the Honorary Mayor of Homeland Park, about those updates. Uh, my name is Walter Lanier. I'm the President of Homeland Park Community Watch. And Brock Elder, uh, just a local resident of Anderson, South Carolina. Well, let me start with you. How important is this project to this community? Uh, you know, I did a video on this about a year ago, a YouTube video kind of exposing what it was. Um, we've had council members in the past promise us <clears throat> parks and recreation, and I've, I've lived here my entire 40 years of life, and uh, we, this is all we had years ago, and then when it just became dilapidated, we didn't have anything. And our, I'm really concerned with our children getting involved with gangs and those type of things, and uh, I, I fully believe in recreation and giving them something to do. Well, and historically, this was a hub of activity for this community. Yes. Way before you were born. Yes. And it was uh, textile league baseball, and, and and also, I mean, even into the '70s, a lot of softball going on out here. A lot of things. This has been a very active place. Yes. And Brock, tell me where we are on the on the updates on all the things that are going to happen out here. Remind people again what's going to happen and where we are. On it. Right. So the court is looks like it's basically finished uh, with the surface. Thursday, so a week from yesterday, they're going to install the golfer goals, which is coming from the over-under initiative. All that's been taken care of, so that'll be installed. Uh, I believe there's going to be a fence around the court, so that still needs to happen. 
Um, but all in all, you know, just the lining and, and putting the, uh, the basketball hoops up, we should be good to go on that sooner than later. And then the baseball field over here, they're um, redoing and revamping the field and then they're redoing the dugouts. So you know, things are looking nice. And then we've got the playground right here and they've taken off pieces of that and they're gonna resurface them and, and make it so it's, you know, there was a lot of rust on them and other things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's come along real nice. Well, let's just you know, take a step there and remind people when this is completely finished, what all will be out here and for kids to do? <clears throat> so they'll have a playground. They'll have a basically brand new baseball field with dugouts. They'll have a multi-purpose sports court that has goals that come out of the ground so they can play soccer, hockey, lacrosse, basketball, any sport they can even come up with or think of. They'll have small goals that come in and out of the ground. So when you want to play basketball or whatever else, they won't interfere. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be uh, one of very few in the country um, that are actually going to be out there. So this is kind of like, this was kind of like a blueprint because normally what they do is they take existing surfaces and then put the goals in there and revamp it like that. Um, but because of what the county wanted to do and, you know, put a, put a basketball court here, this is the first time ever that they've had to make one from scratch and then put the goals in. So it's... It's not rocket science, so to speak, but um, it's just something they haven't done before. So this will be uh, something that they'll take around the country and replicate all over the place. Do you know when the grand opening may be? Is there any tentative? <clears throat> That's a tough one uh, with the holidays coming up and, you know, just never know with weather and whatnot. But, you know, January would, would probably be a, a good place to have it just depending on what's going on and, and like I said, weather and what we want everybody to come out and enjoy it and have a really good opportunity to uh, to see what it's all about and, and get the kids out and play in. And uh, some of the people from New York, as I spoke about Kyle Martino, who has uh, founded the Over Under Initiative. You know, he's a big name in the soccer community. So we'd like to have him come down and, and maybe speak to some local soccer players and uh, you know, utilize him being here and, and make it what it is. And we might have some other professional athletes or ex-professional athletes come down and some co local college players. So. You know, we want to make it a cool event and uh, something that families can come out and enjoy and, and get excited about. What are you hearing from neighbors down here and residents? What are they saying about the, the work? Uh, mostly, for the most part, everyone's pretty excited um, for something to finally happen. Um, we have a lot of other ideas that we'd like to see and um, particularly uh, one thing that the community in, in general out of everything that we'd like to see would be for the entire area to be fenced in and um, you know trespassing after dark you know um, a lot of times for years when I've talked about building parks here I would get negative comments about people vandalizing and stuff and I, I've never been to a park that isn't vandalized and somebody hasn't carved in it so it's, it's gonna happen and that's but to me it's worth it um, you know having to come and fix something once in a while just for the the outcome that you know you're going to get from these children actually having uh, an outlet and giving them something to do to get away from the activity in the streets because uh, here you know we don't have a whole lot of choice um, you know we can like I was telling Brock you know soccer never was a big thing uh, growing up here you had to go to the other end of the town you had to be able to afford to go to the YMCA which was you know for blue-collar people wasn't possible so to us Soccer was a more of a rich people sport, and after talking to, to Brock, he was like, you know, he's like, you know, it's one of the cheapest sports in the world to play. You know, you just you know, some grass and ball, and it wasn't accessible to us. So I never played it because I never, we never had the 
um, the access to it. And I think this will just kind of broaden the horizon for these kids to have other options. And, and um, not only do I hope it helps their the outlook and giving them things to do, but these are also sports that can help get them into college. Um, and we have a lot of, uh, we did a basketball program in here at Holland Park Baptist for a while, and we had a lot of talented kids. And, um, you know, I just hope to see, I just want the best for the children and the families to have something to do. You think this recreation piece could be sort of the beginning to some other things you'd like to see done in this community? Yes, um, I'm currently still working on trying to acquire land uh, right up the street for a very small children's park. And um, what I'm looking at is for it to be, have a small walking track and where, where a mother who is, has her child with her doesn't feel uncomfortable um, walking around that track because she has eyes on the child at all times. And, um, and I have the backing for it. No, I, it's, at the moment, it's just acquiring the land and then designing. And where can people follow to know when the grand opening is going to be and when they can come out and see it finished park rock? Um, <clears throat> social media would be the best way. Um, you know, Walt, I, he can post it on his social media. Um, I'll be posting it on mine. I've got um, our uh, American Outlaw soccer group. We'll, we'll be doing updates on that. Um, a few, you know, what's really special is there's a lot of organizations that aren't even connected with Anderson that um, are soccer groups, like this one I've got on, the Carolina Toffees. Um, it's actually a fan group for a team in, in England, uh, Everton, in the Premier League. And uh, there's guys all over, guys and girls all over the Carolinas who are like, donating money to this, to this project right here that's going directly in here so we can bring in uh, different types of athletic gear and um, you know, just, just funds that may be needed. Uh, the Greenville Triumph have a supporters group called the Reedy River Riot. Um, they've donated a few hundred dollars. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on outside, and, and of course the American Outlaws, the AO Impact. Um, so it's been it's been special to have all this come, and we're actually going to do an event at uh, Magnetic South Brewery later in January. We'll have more info about that, but we're going to do a fundraiser for the West Side uh, soccer program, boys and girls, because they need they need some help, um, and Hopefully this uh, park right here will directly impact those kids and athletes that are going into those programs. So in, in my opinion, it's kind of a full circle thing and mm -hmm. I just think it'll be really special. Yeah. And once it's built, will y'all be involved in working with the kids out here? For sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. And we hope to have some volunteers uh, from Anderson University. We've been in talks with them about that. I don't want to like commit to saying that that's fully gonna happen, but I, I feel pretty confident that we'll have things like that going on. And then there's other people who have just said, hey, anything I can do to help, so that'll go in with having uh, equipment and, and balls and things like that and then just having people out here to donate their time and, and organize some games, pick up games and, and just make sure everybody's getting a chance to play and, and having fun. Anything else y'all wanted to make sure to make a note of? No, um, you can also, if um, I use uh, Holland Park, it's called Holland Park Community, um, Community Watch on Facebook. If anything he relays to me, I, I try to relay it out social media wise. Um, we'll, and we will start using our website a little more because during COVID we haven't been posting a whole lot, but we have a homelandpark.org. Um, and I, I, we were also kind of, I was talking with Brock about it uh, a while back, um, Star Athletics Commission, seeing if there's maybe a way we could have a Homeland Park baseball team and all, and maybe we could, uh, and utilize, you know, this would be our home field and maybe we could join with just the, you know, with that group and just try to get, you know, because Brock's had a lot of good ideas about pretty much getting, getting
get as many people as you can involved that you know, that could really make an impact and make a difference. And you know, he's done a lot of work on this. And you know, in the community, I think a lot of people were like, <clears throat> because I started all this complaining and posting about it, they think you know I have a huge not do with them. Like, no, I just I kind of came in on the tail end of like I don't you know Brock really did. He's done everything, uh, the, the fighting and the arguing and and like he said in the articles, you know, and I just kind of come on the back back end of it. Uh, and I'm really <clears throat> to back him up any way he needs it. Yeah, it's been good. And shout out to uh, uh, Matt Shell and Rusty Burns. Um, yes. Really appreciate what they've done. And I ran into Rusty the other day at a Anderson Chamber of Commerce event and just said thanks. And I just want to, people should know he's yeah. been instrumental in this. So really appreciate all they've been doing. Definitely. I asked, uh, I had actually, when I spoke with Brock, um, that was, I think when we first talked, and it was about the park, about the <laughs> basketball court and all. And, when I asked Rusty about it, and he, he was all for it, and uh, he was he was excited, and and he has not let me down on, on anything that that we've asked for, and I'm 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 really honored to have a, a county administrator who really, you know, when he says he's going to do something, he goes for it, and he backs you up, and I'm super proud to know him. For what sure. if you had three or four more citizens like Brock that stepped up and wanted to do stuff? What could you get done? Oh. Wow, it, it, I believe I could get a lot done because <laughs> I do a lot of complaining and, 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 and uh, you know, back and forth. And, you, you know, you, sometimes you got to feel like you try to put people's feet to the fire. And sometimes you got to be civil and you, you don't know, you know, and, and I have a, a good many people. But, you know, if, if we all get together and really stand as a community, I, I think we could get a lot more accomplished. And, uh, and I'm hoping to see a, a big change because we have saw a lot of development happening in our area, some a little too much sometimes but it, it's it's looking to you know a lot of dilapidated homes coming down and they have some grant money so that it's going to just you know make the environment a lot better and and i'm glad for what the county's putting forth and uh i'm an impatient person i expect it to happen today but uh i'm an elected official in politics too so i get it it, it doesn't happen overnight but sometimes you just get a little aggravated and it's like it needs to happen today you know but you know i'm thankful for what they're doing and, and staying in touch with us if you haven't seen the new equipment fields out there, you ought to drive by. The transformation out there is pretty dramatic. There are so many quietly doing so many great things for this community. that It's often lost in the shuffle of the news. Uh, if you've followed the Observer's interviews over the last year or so, you've heard we talked to Marion Terrence and his Men at Work ministry, who uh, spends time mentoring young men and has seen lives changed. Uh, Kathy Schofield's amazing work with the Special Population Adults and the Rainbow Gang. And even the much larger projects, uh, such as those that partnered with Equal Justice Initiative, which hosted Anderson's first Juneteenth celebration, all these things are doing so much good for the, for Anderson. Uh, Dr. Reverend Ancoma Anderson, who was also recently honored by county council, as pastor of Welfare Baptist Church in Anderson, is a founding board member of the Anderson Area Remembrance and Reconciliation Initiative. It's a group of local leaders joining the National Equal Justice Initiative to commemorate victims of lynching in Anderson County from the time after Reconstruction from 1894 to 1911. And they said the Juneteenth uh, celebration event was just the beginning. You know, as I conclude today, I must say that my heart is full. My heart is full because in the midst of so much cultural calamity, political strife, and social division. The leadership of Anderson County and many of its constituent organizations, businesses, and even churches are making an intentional choice 
to stand out in leaning toward progression. You know, our coming here today has been multiple fold. Our original intent was to simply to make a public announcement introducing the Anderson Area Remembrance and Reconciliation Initiatives, work with EJI, and to bring awareness to the tragic loss of life through the inhumane acts of lynching in Anderson County. But as fate would have it, our creator, the master of the universe, providentially transcends or is providentially transcending our futile efforts, the futile efforts of just a faithful few who just over a year ago saw a narrow and challenging path forward. And if I may suggest here today, using my own vernacular, I believe that God is up to something. God is up to something. God is up to something in Anderson County because God is stirring some stuff up for the betterment of us all. God is stirring some stuff up for the betterment of all of humanity. And might I challenge you today as residents of Anderson County, as Andersonians, if you will, Today is a special day. It is a significant day that invites us all to reflection. We're invited to reflect upon the fact that Africans, those of the African diaspora, those of African descent, who were once marked as property until a delayed word, hear me now, a delayed word of freedom was made, a uh, delayed word of freedom made its way to Texas. And even still, after such a freedom was granted, a bootless people were expected to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, in the words of Dr. King. Folk who were socially and financially marginalized were still held bondage by the captives of the American South and Jim Crow. And as such, blacks, black folk, they were the subjects of white rage and inhumane treatment. And needless to say, lives were lost. Black lives were lost. Black blood was spilled at the root of the lynching tree. And more specifically, here in Anderson County, the lives of, I'm gonna say their names, because there's power in identifying them, saying and calling their names. Mr. Edward Sullivan, Mr. Albert Harris, Mr. 
Reuben Elrod, Mr. Willis Jackson. Their lives were lost. And so today, we are further invited to ask ourselves a pressing and a relevant question. What can I do? What can I, what, 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 what can me, what can you, what can us do? Bad English, but makes for good talk. <laughs> what we can do is, we can remember. We can reconcile today. And as I conclude, I'm reminded of the words from the womanist theologian, Katie Geneva Cannon, who said, we must do the work that our souls desire. But if you don't mind, I'd like to add more. Not only should we do the work that our souls desire, but we must do the work that our souls require. What is that work? What is that work? We, we, we must do the work of remembrance. In other words, we must never forget to look back. But if it is our goal to become linked in a blessed fellowship, in an interrelated and interdependent world house, then you must know that remembrance is not enough. We must do more. I repeat, we must do more. We must do the work that our souls require. We must do the work of reconciliation. And so, my brothers and sisters, my remarks here today is an invitation bidding you to come and to be a part of this work of remembrance, to be a part of this work of reconciliation. Help us to remember. Help us to reconcile by garnering community and church support. But most importantly, help us to remember and reconcile by offering your support. For your support, for your support of this effort is the work that your soul requires. I'm looking forward to seeing where this group takes the initiative in the year ahead. I think there's some really positive things to, to happen here from, from all that. Uh, meanwhile, AIM, a group that has been serving Anderson for decades, joined forces with Anderson County to distribute more than $6 million to assist those who are behind on rent or utilities as a result of the pandemic. So far, more than $3 million has been distributed and helped many avoid eviction. You can visit AIM's website or Facebook page to find out about this or just to get an idea of how much this organization is doing in Anderson County. It's also a good time of year to maybe drop a thank you note to this or one of the groups I'm going to mention after that uh, that have helped the county so much. There's just too many to, to mention them all, but we are fortunate to have the leadership and energy behind Meals on Wheels of Anderson and Lori uh, Ashley there and Noreen at Clean Start and Reverend Joe Irvin at Salvation Army of Anderson, Haven Arrest and Eddie Caps, and one of the newest Hope Missions of the Upstate, which kicked off in Anderson this year. And I talked to one of Hope's leaders, Dave Phillips, who also put together, puts together the excellent resource guide for services uh, that are available to our family, friends, and neighbors who might be in need. 
And Dave had this to say about the new work. Hope Missions of the Upstate, or Honey's Place, as you'll see on the sign out there, um, really is an extension of what we started with the shower trailer back at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we were able to, at, during the, at the shower trailer itself, that's a story all by itself, but basically the short version of the story is pandemic hit, Clean Start had to close down because they have a very elderly volunteer group, uh, and they don't mind me saying that. They have a very elderly uh, volunteer group that runs that. They told me that they were going to shut down. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be at one of the early county meetings about the emergency itself. And I raised a hand and said, hey, we need a shower trailer. And the answer, the immediate answer was, we don't have a shower trailer. But they heard the message, they heard the question. And our county went out of the way to track down a shower trailer. And I know there was all kind of people involved in that. But from my perspective, I asked the county, they delivered a shower trailer. We put it on Salvation Army property. I don't know how many gallons of water we used. The city gave us a 500 gallon gray water tank that had to get emptied. I don't know how often, but we went through tons of water and lots of coffee. <laughs> and so we knew that there was a need for that, to have some place for people in the morning. Clean Start was able to open in July of last year with the provision that we took care of the people. So we checked the people in here, uh, even though we're about 100 yards away from Clean Start. So we checked the check people in here, we managed the migration from you know four people at a time from, from our building down to Clean Start. Um, we have a little system where we keep track of everything so we, as best we can, we, we know what's going on with that. Um, so we provide breakfast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Honey Dennison is amazing. Um, she loves on these guys. When we were at the shower trailer, she would be there with her car, had food on the trunk, uh, feed the guys. Salvation Army gave us coffee. Um, so we, we knew that that need was there. Um, and so we wanted to be able to provide guys breakfast. As one of our volunteers says here, you know, if we start the day right, we start the day with breakfast, then all these guys have an opportunity to succeed for that day. So that was really kind of the genesis of, of what we had going on here. Do you want me to just keep talking? Or? Well, yeah, and I'm thinking... Um, <laughs> I do this to a lot. No, that's fine. Yeah, I understand. What, tell me about the need, the number of people who y'all have found really need this service. Yeah. So what we found, since we started a check-in system, actually with our friends right next door, we have friends at the Lot Project. So Cody and David and I got together and said, okay, here's what we really want to do. Just a super simple, what's your name? you know, what's your age, and you know, kind of very little information, but just enough so that we could see who was coming. Um, and what we discovered was that most people only come once. Well, that's not fair. Most people, um, a great majority of the people only come once. Very few people come every time. There's a perception that there's the same people come every time, every time, every time. And it's simply not true. And here's what we know. In the database I have right now, I have over a thousand unique names, 1,000. So that tells you that we have a thousand people plus in our community that are looking for a free meal, looking for a relationship, looking for hospitality. And so that's what we really want to, we really want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We just want to be the, the hospitality front line for people to come in and sit down and have a cup of coffee have a have a snack or have a breakfast if it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so really that's that's what the need is. The need is, I don't know how many people total, but it's not just what, what 
the impression may be it's also all about the homeless population, but a lot of these guys are living in, in some pretty dire straits. They're living in really on the margins. And so we provide an opportunity for them to get together and become part of the family here. Um, so that's, that's kind of the need and kind of what we do with it. Well, one of the things that, that to me looks different about this place is you encourage people to come and hang out. A lot of places that offer services just by their very nature have to get people in and out, in and out the doors, in and out the doors. Tell me about the different rooms you've got set up here and the different things people can do here and that y'all do encourage them to come and, and become community. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. When, um, when we heard about this building being available, I contacted the county and they gave us a tour. And I'll be, be honest with you, when I looked at it at first, I saw all these little rooms and I thought, man, well, we'll make it work, right? And boy, was I wrong. These little rooms, this is a 1948 building. This was like a serious concrete wall here. These little rooms allow guys to be able to kind of congregate the way they want to. They get to select where they are and have a quiet room. We have a reading room that has a bathroom in it. Uh, we have kind of an open room where, where people are kind of where you hear all the noise right now. We have another room that's a music room. Um, they're all relatively small spaces. We're sitting in the art room right now, and then there's a storage room behind us here. And what that allows people, and there are chairs in every one of these rooms, and that allows people to get some quiet. They can have a cup of coffee, have their breakfast sandwich, and get some quiet. And they're welcome to linger. Uh, you mentioned that most people are just feeding and head out. You know, we encourage them to linger. We want to make a safe space for them where they feel comfortable and they're invited to stay. And you've got a place outside set up too. Yes, sir. We have we have a canopy out there. And what we did, what's really kind of funny, um, we put up a canopy right when we got here um, that had one of those nice um, vinyl kind of tops on it. And I'm telling you, two weeks, there was some storm that came through, picked that thing up, threw it down, trashed it. So the, the second canopy, we actually ordered, we thought we were ordering another one of those canopies. What we got was one of those mesh tops, you know, the garden kind of top, so you can set up like a greenhouse. It was God's provision. I, it really was, because that thing has been set up since. Um, you know, we've been here since 1st of July. Um, so wherever we are there, so August, September, you know, we're, we're cruising right along and it's been through lots of storms, but because it's not a solid top, it actually lives. Who supports this ministry and, and, and how can people help? Wow, thank you for ask, asking that question. This is a total volunteer operation. Everybody in here is volunteering to help us out. Um, the biggest support that we can use and what I'm asking for are for churches to pick a day to come in and provide a breakfast or, or a group. I mean, Rotary Club, uh, Sertoma, whoever might want to come in and, and just do a breakfast. And a, and a breakfast would be, you probably have to, for breakfast, you know, whatever time you need to be here, we open the door at 7.15 in the morning. So if you have to be here at 6.30 to get breakfast prepared or you can roll in right at 7, whatever works for you. Um, and then we're done by 10. So we're, we're vacuuming around 9.45 in the morning. So really, if you think about it, it's a 7 to 10 kind of spot. Um, and if we had... What days? Thank you. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from about 7.15 to 10 is when we're, we're open up. So anybody that can come in and help us out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 to 10 roughly, that would be great. Now I do, I do uh, for Tuesday and Thursday, by the way, we are open on Tuesday and Thursday. So Tuesday I do a Bible study here. Um, so I lead a Bible study. We're almost finished with the book of Acts. 
and then we're going to go on to Hebrews. So it's really good stuff if you want to come to a Bible study basically on the street. So 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Thursday we open up as well, but it's a free day. So that allows us to have people come in for appointments. We have, uh, I didn't mention this, but I want to make sure I put this out there. Uh, we have Austin Wilkes here. The Austin Wilkes Society specializes in helping guys that are coming out of jail, that are coming out of incarceration, get their lives back together. So they actually have an office here. Um, so we were able to provide that. But we want Thursday to be that day where they could come in for appointments or in just individual time. All we do is have coffee and maybe some light snacks. Um, but Monday through Friday, guys have a place to go uh, in the morning to be able to get a cup of coffee and just have a nice slow start to the day. My financial support, how can people support it financially? Hey, so for financial support, we're a 501c3 um, charity for South Carolina. We, we have our IRS <laughs> letters that so we're completely legit. Uh, go on our website, it's hopeupstate.org, and you'll see the donate thing on everywhere, um, like anybody else, right? So just, you can donate directly. Um, you can donate food provision. Um, you can donate boxer brief underwear, which we go through by, you can't imagine how many. Uh, socks and boxer briefs go out the door every day. And that, that's one of the things we mentioned. We saw that there's clothing available too. Right, thank you for asking. Yeah, Monday we do is our clothing day. So Monday we, we have a little slip of paper we ask them guys to fill out. Uh, we are actually keeping track of that. So after we're done, we go and, and look at it. So again, we're trying to tabulate to understand what our needs are uh, and be able to get that out. But yeah, Monday, clothing, a uh, bunch of clothes goes out the door and that's been donated. Um, women's clothes, we have a ton of. You know, if I want to put any kind of plug in, it would be for men's <laughs> trousers, size 30, 32, 34. Our racks are empty. Most people around here that do clothing, their racks are empty in that, and men's size is 30, 32, 34. Can't keep them on the rack. You've been involved in ministries similar to this for a long time. Uh, are you seeing the need growing? I mean, the, a, a greater number of people needing a little assistance? Um, well, the reason we're keeping track of the numbers is so that we can actually articulate that. We don't want to just say anecdotally, yeah, there's a great need, because then it just sounds like the sky is falling, a little chicken little thing. But we're actually keeping track of that, so we can actually show you how the numbers are increasing. We know our friends at the soup kitchen are seeing their numbers go back up, uh, and that's probably one of the best thermometers that we have, because those guys, uh, keep they have to keep track of their numbers because they're cooking food five days a week. Um, so we're watching those guys, we, we communicate with those guys. Lot Project is seeing their numbers creep back up. Uh, we're seeing numbers pretty big here. You know, last week we had 75 on Wednesday. Uh, and so it comes and goes. I mean, you don't see it. If you just, if you just had a camera on stop action, you'd, you'd see the crowd. Um, but it comes and goes. They come and go as they, as they wish. So are they increasing? Um, I, I believe the data will show you that the numbers are increasing. Um, but here's the thing, it's not thousands of people. It may be a thousand people plus in our database, but they're not all showing up at one time. So it isn't something where we have to get the fire brigade going. It's not that kind of thing. But it is something that if we don't keep our thumb on the pulse, 
then we're going to miss an opportunity to be able to serve people right where they are and right where they need to be. Is there anybody you want to thank particularly just to make just as a goodwill gesture? I don't want you to leave anybody else, but if there's somebody like this been a phenomenal supporter, if you want to make sure, I'm just asking, I don't know. Sure. Um, I definitely want to shout out, first of all, to Anderson County. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to name names, so I'll just know. Well, let me, let, me, let me thank Steve Newton, Rusty Burns in particular. Um, we had a couple council members come out. And, um, so our, our uh, District 1, District 2 came out right away, John Wright Jr., uh, Glenn Davis came out to take a tour. The rest of the council, you're welcome to come out. City is welcome to come out. We'd love to show you what we're up to. Um, we've had some churches that are phenomenal help. Temple Baptist, first Friday of every month, they're here doing breakfast and they knock it out of the park. Uh, we, have, we have help from New Spring. We have help from uh, Hope Fellowship. We have help from Gospel Light. So we're getting lots of good help. We just need more. We need more churches involved. I need, you know, about 13 to 15 churches consistently involved to, to make sure we have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday operation running. I personally would like to see Tuesday and Thursday be, you know, a full service kind of day as well. But that's kind of a dream right now. Uh, but many, many things. There's so many volunteers. Oh, one person I really make sure that I don't fail to mention, Kim Shore is the executive director of Hope Missions of the Upstate. And Kim is the one that just wouldn't let go. When I was doing the shower trailer and calling out for volunteers, Kim came and stayed. And she really has a heart for this community and has done a phenomenal job with getting things running and, and keeping things going. The volunteers that are here are amazing. Uh, from Honey to Ron and Julie Huber. Um, well, I'm gonna leave out some names if I start that. Yeah, okay. but, but, you know, this, we just have great volunteers that just have a heart um, that, that just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we want to do. There are so many others. The Cancer Association of Anderson, led by Angie Stringer, hosted the first balloon event in the fall of 2021. And they're also preparing to make a major announcement about the future of the organization, one to which a lot of people are looking forward to. And they're looking at a brighter future. They'll be making that announcement fairly soon, and we will talk about it here on the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Uh, the South Main Mercy Chapel, uh, South Main Chaplain Mercy Center, led by Kirk Stutler, in addition to all their daily services to those in need, worked with Anderson County earlier this year to kick off a program to provide transportation to work for those wanting to improve their lot, especially those looking at lucrative swing shift positions where there is no public transportation available. Uh, that's working. That program is really working well, and the county's expanding it into other areas. Anderson County also checked off another thing, a uh, number of things on its to-do list for the 2021 as well. A new dog park at Paws, which aims to be more than a place to walk dogs, officially open in the fall. They hope to have concerts and other things out there. Dr. Kim Sanders and her team at Paws have not only built a model program, but now built a model facility to go with it. And people, I think, will be coming from all over to see it as well as how they do things out there. There was also the cleanup of the Viva Tire recycling facility. It's finally done. We'll improve the area surrounding it. And Greg Smith and his crew are, get major props for that. Um, they work hard to keep Anderson clean despite the increasing opposition of litter bugs and those illegally dumping trash, but we appreciate their efforts. Matt Shell Parks Department County has also worked tirelessly to help expand and improve Anderson County's parks, including Green Pond and Dolly Cooper, which saw major upgrades this year. And Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns and I talked about this, um, park work, economic development, and a lot of more things in our interview right before Christmas. 
All right, 2021 is almost gone, and it blew by pretty fast, even though there's a lot of big news. Let's start with the economy. Any idea how many new jobs and how much investment, new investment? Thousands of jobs have been created in Anderson County, millions of dollars in capital investment, and we already have some announcements that are going to occur next year. They're going to continue that trend, and what we have right now is we have all of the jobs in the world in just about any type of industry you would like to join and grow in, but what we have is we don't have enough people. And so what we're trying to do is take some of the people who traditionally have been unemployed to try to find methods to get them into the workplace. And we're also importing talent, like we have a shortage of engineers in certain industries right here. I mean, we have one company who uh, actually brings them in by buses. And so we're going to fill those jobs, but we're all hands on deck on trying to fill those jobs. And as I've said many times, now if you want to start somewhere, you need to start now with these new companies and work your way up. You've had a lot of people who have been with Michelin since Michelin opened its doors. They're now retiring. Those jobs are opening up. So there are a lot of good career jobs available in Anderson County people should take advantage of. And we had um, record employment in terms of numbers of people employed. We're inching back down you know, pre-pandemic levels of unemployment and uh, like I said, the number of people is actually employed. Are we, we going to become, I guess the counties around us are going to start becoming bedroom communities for Anderson to try to fill up. And, and, and to a degree, some already are. And we've been told by some of the surrounding counties, y'all keep it up. You're employing our citizens. We appreciate it greatly. And average pays continued to rise, right? It's around $21 an hour. Uh, Ten years ago, it was around $13 an hour. Some of the newer jobs that we have coming on are going to make that increase even further. So that's good news for all of us. And one of the barriers you've been working on to overcome is transportation. It's transportation. Hopefully, swinging shifts. And swinging shifts. Hopefully, our Uber project will fill some of those holes by offering rides for a limited number of time to get people back and forth until they can get on their feet and find their own transportation or buy cars. I mentioned we have uh, one car dealership that if you have... You know, you've been working there for just a very small amount of time. You've been faithful. They will help you get into a car. So, you know, this is a total program to help you move ahead. And it's a good time to remind people that Anderson County has always been a leader as a, the top international business presence in the state with more than 50 companies representing 18 countries. I know y'all have been working hard. When talking about bringing in jobs, y'all are not just trying to bring in, there was a day when any job was a job, but now y'all are kind of particular about it. Well, we don't have to take any job. And we have certain benchmarks. If we're going to do a fee in lieu of tax deal, then you're going to have to have a certain level of pay per hour, you're going to have to have benefits, and a whole host of other things that you're going to have to do. If you're not able to meet those things, then you really don't need to be in Anderson County. Which is why, you know, people said we've passed on warehouses and distribution centers and those things. They just don't pay enough and don't bring enough long term. You're, you're going to get distribution centers just because of where we are right in the middle of Atlanta and Charlotte. You're going to get some of those. But what we like, people who make things, we're a manufacturing community, but we're also at the same time an agricultural community. And both of those sectors seems to be, seem to be going real well. And now we're becoming uh, a tourism destination. What we have coming up uh, is we have the fourth Bassmaster Classic that's coming in here. That's just a couple of months away. They were in here this week. But since the last Bassmaster, they haven't seen all the new improvements in Green Pond. They were blown away. They also, when they came, they brought all of their sponsors 
who sponsor the event, and they were blown away. So that's going to be a big event. We also have the Dixie Youth uh, Championship, National Championship that's coming here this summer. That's going to bring people from everywhere. I wouldn't doubt that we wouldn't have 10,000 people in for that. And that's all over the county, that, too. Well, it's all over the county, headquartered at the Civic Center. And we're also going to have the state Dixie Youth Tournament. So that's going to be a whole lot of people coming to Anderson County. So our tourism, our convention and visitor center bureau, and the uh, Dixie Youth, we're doing that in association with the town of Belton because uh, they have a huge, strong connection with Dixie, Dixie Youth. And so we're bringing that in. So that's going to be a big deal. And we have several other events. In January, we're going to have the uh, Striper Tournament, our annual Striper Tournament, which is getting bigger and better. And that's the tournament where you bring canned goods. That's how you, that's how you enter. And we feed a whole lot of people off of that Striper Tournament. So we've got that coming, and there are things that I'm, that I'm leaving out that are coming that are well, already booked. I want to get back to recreation more in a minute, but I don't want to leave completely yet. Why has this been such an attractive place for international companies to come? I mean, I, that's been something I know y'all have targeted because they tend to bring in better jobs and better benefits and that kind of thing. Well, <clears throat> one of the things is they like stable government. Anderson County's, you know, we don't have a lot of drama, a lot of stuff going on. They feel secure. It's a hands-on effort that our council members meet with industry, I meet with them, our economic development department meets with them. We have total total immersion into Anderson County. We bring everybody that you need to talk to into one room, usually this room. We sit here, we work out any problems they have. Uh, we try to streamline the permitting process. We have excellent relationships with state agencies who are involved in federal agencies. And we've just gotten it down to a science. It's easy to do business in Anderson County. They will tell you that. And that's why our slogan is, where the world comes to work. Because all of these people are coming from everywhere. And we have more foreign announcements that we will be making in the coming year. So it's just, it's just a good place to do business. Clemson University is a big, big help. Tri-County Tech is a big, big help. Anderson University is a big, big help. That lake sitting over there provides you a world-class uh, quality of life. There's a lot to do here, and people have said this a thousand times. If you want to go to the mountains, you're in the mountains in an hour. And if you want to go to the beach and you drive like I do, you can be there in three hours. You pretty much got everything, and we're getting more things because of the increase in wages and the population growth. A lot of the commercial activities that you say see in Greenville or other large cities are now looking at Anderson. We're going to have some extremely exciting commercial development announcements in the coming year. But also doing, talking about that, and again trying to be inclusive to all the county, we have the Equinox project, which we hope will start sometime in the next several months. To completely redo that old Equinox site, which is nothing but rubble, We've worked in association with the city of Anderson on the Chemtex deals. If anybody knows where the Chemtex building is, that's going to be redeveloped. And there are developers looking at the old Abney or Anderson mill right there. We're fixing to put out a request for proposal on another mill area, the Toxway mill area that we've totally cleaned up. We think that's going to be very attractive to developers. And so, A, we're bringing in new things. We're trying to revitalize old areas. We're trying to tear down dilapidated houses. There, 
there's something that the county is involved in in every second trying to do something to make things better for the people in Anderson County. And you talk about that quality of life. Sometimes people look and see you're spending money on parks and quality of life. Those things are as important as infrastructure in, in some ways. Is it's, it's more important this day and time. There are a lot of nice places you can go put a, a company or something like that. I think we're the best. But that's what people look for. Do you think these, these uh, people who are getting out with master's and engineering degrees and they can go anywhere in the world they want, you know what they want to do. They want to get outside and play when they're not working. And I mean that. They want to get outside and play. That whole generation, while you have the traditional let's go to the football game, let's go do this, you have a whole other generation that is coming up and their thing is let's go take a hike. Let's go kayaking. Let's go do this. It's almost a shift in that. Is it total? No, but we're seeing a lot more of it. We've got an, our second kayak fishing tournament coming up. Uh, we think we're finally going to get some participation out of Greenville on the, their side of the Saluda River to enhance that even further. So uh, Kid Venture is now closed right now, and the date is uh, for Memorial Day. We've got construction going on at Wellington Park right now, which we're real excited about, and several other areas we're looking at. The East-West Parkway should be connected by this summer. We're still pursuing the idea of running a trail from here to Pendleton. We've even had talks about how can we get it to Williamston. All of those things will happen. Right. It's just how fast they will happen. You're reading my mind on some of these, but let's, let's kind of break them down a little bit. You mentioned Green Pond earlier in the upcoming tournaments and the ones that have been here. And Green Pond, people, it hadn't really been here that long. Remind people why it's been such a big deal in such a short time. Well, a lot of people, our initial thing was, well, we always wanted to do it. When I got here, we wanted to do it. What kicked it off was the PCB settlement, and they gave money to restore the fisheries that had been damaged on Lake Hartwell. So we took that PCB money and started the first phase. And that was a settlement from a f private company who put PCBs in Lake Hartwell. We did such a good job on that, not me, our staff, people who work here, that we got sports fishers grants. Those things are hard. You usually get one. We've had more than one. We'll probably get another one. And uh, Department of Natural Resources in South Carolina really likes us because everything that we told them that we were going to do, we've done. So they've been very supportive and help us find money to do things like that. But another thing, we have some exciting events coming up that I can't talk about right now at Green Pond that are other than fishing, and we're very excited about that. One of them I can talk about is we're going to have an antique boat show. You know those $200,000 old restored wooden boats? And what I'm looking for right now is with our new Coliseum that sits up there and there's a stage down here, we need to have some local theater group put on a play there. We also intend to have concerts out there. So it's going to be a multi-use facility. Fishing, yes. Concerts, hopefully. Concerts, for sure. And hopefully we can get a local group who would go out there and, and have Shakespeare by the Lake or something like that. Stephen Sondheim Review, something like that. But it's also been a huge economic engine. I mean, it's been a cash cow. It is a cash cow. Our, we get an accommodations tax and that's a tax on hotel rooms. If you're not staying in a hotel room, you're not paying it. And that is going up. And for just the last three months, it's going up and up and up. And it's because of outdoor recreation and fishing. They come in here. I mean, hotels have 
re-engineered their parking lot so when they come in with their truck and their trailer, they can plug it in right there at the hotel. And we had one hotel said, how come I never get any fishing business? And said, because you don't have the plug-in. They said, we'll have it, and they have it now, so they're getting their share of it. So it's, it's good, and it's good for all of us. Yeah, and it, uh, it's also, uh, we talked about it before, a recreation place for people who don't have a boat and just want to get out to the lake in a safe place. If you want to go out there and just sit up there and read a book. There's a beach. And... Go to that little beach, read a book, sit up on that hill, just hang out. If you want to get a workout, just walk around that road, because I promise you after you circle that two times, you'll be in excellent physical health. And while the lake's been pretty well known for a while, the Green Pond has helped put Hartwell Lake on some national, international maps. Oh, we're, we're noted as one of the best bass fishing lakes in the United States, and that increases, and the more fishermen who come here, I mean, you know, and I've said this before, but people think, well, you got these people in here, they fish for three days. No, they don't fish for three days. They will come in here and fish and fish and fish, practicing for that event. And then at a certain point in time, bass closes that lake off. You can't fish, you know. It's, it's off limits to you. But, I mean, people come here all the time practicing, not just for the classic, but for the other events, the other bass fishing events. We have one large crappie event that does real well. So it's in the striper event coming up. Um, you know, if we could find some uh, spot tails, we'd put them in there and we'd have one of those fishing tournaments. In high school and college. And, and, and I love the high school and college tournaments because you have a lot of mothers, fathers, uncles, brothers, and everybody who come in there to participate. It's a festive atmosphere. And with that new Coliseum that we have now and the place where you can weigh in, nobody else has that. Nobody has that in the whole country. And then across the county, Dolly Cooper, you mentioned the Saluda River and the, the Blue Trail and all that. Uh, what was the impetus behind rebooting out at Dolly Cooper? Because it kind of set in still. I know Matt Sheld had some plans years ago, but the, the money wasn't there. Councilman Jimmy Davis has taken a firm interest in that. So has Senator Cash. So has Representative West Cox. And they've really gone out and found a lot of money for us that helps us do these things right now. We should be very close to putting up a, uh, <clears throat> a big shelter out there we're working on bathrooms for that and if you go out there <clears throat> it didn't get much use it's getting a lot of use now and that walking trail by the river it gets a lot of use but we have a lot more ideas that we want to do over there we've done the master plan Blake Sanders did that Councilman Davis Ramrod did that so we know what we want to do but there's so much that we can do and it is a natural spot in the fastest growing area of the county and there's people out there at the ball fields and disc golf. And disc golf, uh, playing playing uh, baseball, they're playing softball, they have football out there, you have that. But it's still a nice nature spot. And it's also, you know, one of the, is the Saluda River Rally launches from there. The, yes. That was a, a big event returned this year. Yes, and it will return this year. And it is one of the three um, now ADA accessible uh, points we have along the river. I know West Pelzer had the first one. Yep. I mean, Pelzer, West Pelzer, rather. West Pelzer. The first one, Timmerman, and then we've got three, and now we've got a new one. You want to mention that? And one? we have the new one, which is near Belton, really. Uh, City of Belton ramrodded that project, and so that is open, and it's been named for Senator Mike Gambrell, and that gets a lot of kayak attention, but it also gets a lot of fishing attention because it's one of the few places on the Saluda River where you can just take your chair, pop, sit right there, and fish in the river. So we get a lot of families doing that down there, and that's that's turned out 
really, really good, but give a lot of credit to the town of Belton for that. And the accessibility thing, people forget you don't have to be disabled. If you're just somebody's elderly or just needs a little extra help, being able to get in and out of these places is easy for anybody. Yes. And we're also going to be putting a playground out at the airport. And we talked about that yesterday with several members of council. And we've already had two private individuals who are big in aviation to pledge substantial money for that playground. If everything goes well, we will at least have the first phase of that done by this summer. And it will be an aviation-themed uh, place for children and families to go. So we're hoping to get that moving along here smartly. We'd like to have a whole lot of things for people to do this summer that they didn't have last summer. And the manager had that idea because when he was a kid, he was playing around out there, nowhere to play. When he was a kid and he said, look, we need to, we need to have a playground. Brett Garrison right. doing a remarkable job running the Anderson County Airport. We now have charter service, which we didn't have. Uh, we were talking yesterday. Uh, we didn't have a flight school. People said a flight school won't go here. You're not going to blah, blah. Anyway, the flight school has 70 people on the waiting list. And last week, a 17-year-old young lady got her first. She got her wings. She soloed last week, 17 years old. So that is going good. Dr. Hunt, who's a doctor, has been here forever, does a lot of aviation physicals. He's moved into the new terminal. That's absolutely wonderful. We have a place for pilots to stay. And the new terminal, let's mention, we got a new terminal. We've got a brand new officially terminal. This year. Officially open, but now we have a pilot's lounge. The pilots, a whole lot of times, determine where you're going and where you're going to land. And if you take care of those pilots, they go, hey, I went to Anderson, they got a beautiful lounge, I got internet TV, I got a shower over here, they've got a place for me to go take a nap, I'm going there. And, and, and it's all about that service. Now when you land, we meet you out there. It's just, it's night and day. Now, Brett Garrison gets all the credit for that. Well, and back to the parks closer to the city, you mentioned Wellington earlier, which has been a historic <coughs> recreation area, Anderson. People forget everything from textile baseball to... Back uh, in the day, it was the hot spot, but we're putting that combination soccer slash basketball court. We had a meeting with some wonderful individuals this week about... Uh, programming some recreation down there, uh, basketball camps. We'd like to get uh, a little recreation baseball softball league down there. But, A, we're doing that. We're doing some other work. We're fixing up the ball field. But we need to fill that area up with things for people to do, too. Hopefully one day's council's desire that we can get a splash pad down there, like the splash pad we're going to build at the Civic Center. And the impetus for that was really just a local citizens saw a need. How important is it for local citizens just to see those needs and help the county identify what needs to be done? The only reason county government exists is to serve the needs of the people. So when they tell us what they need and, and enough of them say we need this, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what council does. It's not a thing where people sit up here and say, we dictate that you need this. You want to go do things that people want and and now that we're able to take this accommodations money from people coming here to go fish and everything else, we have a little bit more money to do that. So we're able to do a lot, but we still have a long ways to go in recreation. We have a tremendous amount of things we need to do to enhance recreation in Anderson County. Well, there's like 30 parks here. I mean, there are 30 parks, but we need to do some more development on those parks. Everything that we're doing now and in the future is going to be completely ADA, so everybody can enjoy it. Uh, we want a Miracle League field. Uh, that's probably that's on our wish list right there. Uh, right across from Kid Venture, 
the uh, Vets Helping Vets organization going to put a veterans memorial over there. And they've just, they've gotten their final plan and they're working on that and they're gonna be reaching out to the community for donations. And so that's going to be exciting. It'll be across from Kidventure and it'll be a park-like setting as opposed to there's a statue look. Also, uh, council green-lighted this week and this involves the city of Anderson and Anderson County. We removed the fireman's memorial that was out at the Civic Center because the only thing that served was a place for the ducks to come over there in the ducks restaurant. The duck, yes, that's a polite way of saying exactly what it was, and we clean it every day. And in three hours, it was horrible. So we're going to put it right over there in front of the new courthouse. And Scott Foster is doing the design. Scott's doing the plaza down there for the city. He's an artist. He's done a lot of stuff. And so we're gonna be doing that in conjunction with the city, and hopefully we'll have that done by May or June. But it's a really unique looking design, and I think that uh, all the firefighters in the county uh, will appreciate it, as well as the regular citizens. But I think it's gonna be really unique, and I think uh, everybody will be proud of it, and it will belong to everybody in Anderson County, but it'll just be a great acknowledgement to the firefighters. You've been wanting to see more memorials over here anyway, right? Yes. and uh, Where everybody can enjoy them a yes. lot. Yeah. And uh, retiring Chief Randy Bratcher is the chairman of that committee because he's loved and respected by everybody. So we're just following Chief Bratcher's lead on that. Uh, before we completely get away from Kid Venture, some people still don't understand. This is not some new playground equipment out there. This is a total reset. This is a radical, radical new design that is going to be built for the ages, and it's going to look good. and And, and I hope it's going to knock people's eyes out. And I think it's going to be mobbed. You know, we have two pedals that. Uh, that we don't have the money for now, but I think we found the money, so we're going to try to go ahead and finish it out completely. <clears throat> but we know we're going to open up something on Memorial Day if it's nothing but Rita Davis out there in a bathing suit at the splash pad. <laughs> and Miss so Rita Davis, if people don't know, is the chief financial right. officer of the county. <laughs> and she's not going to hear this. Uh, and there's, again, this is another example of something while the county was making plans, you, you've got Julia Woodson's been a cheerleader for this, and she. Nobody talks about Kid Venture more than she does. So citizens' involvement and, and citizen involvement is key to everything that happens in Anderson County. I mean, our council members are out and about. We have seven of them. They're in every part of the county. Every one of them is easily, you know, every one of them will pick up the phone if you call them. And if they don't answer right then, they'll call you back. I don't know a single one of them who won't engage with you any time of the day. And they want to know what you want because they're representatives. Of, uh, that's what they're there for. To represent. And they don't have to go through it. People that want to talk to their councilman or somebody in here in the council doesn't have to go through a gatekeeper to get to somebody. They just we, don't have it. we don't have any gatekeepers in Anderson County. We don't like gatekeepers in Anderson County. And like if somebody has a problem that involves solid waste or litter, they don't, they don't have to call me. They call Greg Smith. Greg, Greg knows what to do. He's a genius. He takes care of it. So it's, it's, Everybody knows we have a goal, we have a desire to make Anderson County a better place, and that's from the top to the bottom in Anderson County. And just, what about other upgrades at the Civic Center? Anything else coming up? In well, this? we're going to uh, do a massive repainting job, which it desperately needs. We are going to get a new generator, which is... That's the Duke Energy thing that's been coming? No, that's the battery that Duke Energy is going to put out there. This is going to be... Are we going to do that? 
They've been doing it for four and a half years, but as they explained it to me, even though it's their project, they have to get in line with everybody else's I project. I wondered why that's so long. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. But it doesn't cost us anything, so yeah. so we're good to go. Back to the generator. You're going to do a generator. Generator. We know we're going to have to upgrade the heating and air conditioning out there, and you know that building's 31 years old, and it's used just about every day. And they had the uh, president, the new president of Duke Energy, spoke in Anderson last week. And uh, he talked about all of the wonderful things, but he said the key thing that he enjoyed about Anderson County, the Anderson County Council, was the appreciation of letting Duke use the Civic Center as a staging area because it was centrally located and that our staff had it down to a science. It was just real easy. And like I always tell everybody, we want them at the Civic Center because that makes them closer to us. And in 2021, a lot of events started coming back slowly. To what are any big events planning? Oh, we've got some huge events coming up. Uh, so well, Anderson was good again this year. Back. Yep, and that was real good. But we have some even larger events that are coming. They're going to be put on by uh, private entities and private corporations, and so we're excited about that. And we're talking about we were talking about one this morning when you walked in, and these people are going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on entertainment not going to cost us anything but it's going to be available to the public so that's going to be good and we're also trying to get a new stage top at the Civic Center that's very important because now we have to rent one and that costs ten to fifteen thousand dollars if we have a permanent one I think that will attract more artists because they can come in they go yeah all I got to do is hook up I can hang the lights here, I can hang the sound here, and we can get on with life. So I think that's going to be a big improvement. Amphitheater too. stage two? New. Uh, that's what this that's is. That's what you're talking about. That's, yeah, what, that's what this what, is. Right, it's right. not going to be just boom. It should be wow. Uh, another thing before I forget, uh, Ames put out over $3 million in rent and electricity uh, uh, assistance so far this year. And as you know, council received a grant to help all of the nonprofits. Uh, we're still working with Zoe and Dave on some of their home, homeless initiatives. So there's a whole lot going yeah, the on. The eviction moratorium's over, so people are starting to get evicted. So, people yeah. are starting to get evicted. So if you are one of those people, please go down to Ames and see if you qualify. Uh, the farmer's market also kind of got back to a normal schedule this year. Did the farmers and vendors return as expected? Everything yes. okay? Farmer's market's too small. And, our, and when we had our Christmas market, and Sharon Nicometta. Still going on. Yeah, yeah. And Sharon Nicometta is the genius behind that, okay? We've had to set up a tent because we have so many people who want to display their stuff down there. So it's a good thing that it's getting too small and we're having to make do with what we have, but that might be something to look on down the road. People really do love the farmers market. They love the Christmas market and uh, it's just been great. And any any ideas of maybe bringing the farmers market downtown on the weekends, like some cities and towns do? It would. It is my dream and Councilman Tommy Dunn's dream to have it in front of the new courthouse. We just haven't fi finished figured out all the logistics on how to make that happen. But I think that would be wonderful if you go to Marion Square on Saturday in Charleston. It's a fair, a zoo, and everything else. And downtown Green was good. And I would love to see that back down here. And, and another thing, that a young lady with the city is going to bring the soiree back. And so we're going to be having a meeting today here at 2 o'clock to see what the county can do to help her with her dream to bring the soiree back. So that would be another event, and, and they're talking about doing that. That's relatively quick. Well, with all this talk about parks and quality of life where you're going to get Matt Shell any help, the 
I'm going to hire some more. We're going to have to help Matt out a little bit because Matt will work 75 hours a week, every week. We have to send him home in order for him to stay married and take care of his daughters. The, um, any other news around the lake that we hadn't touched on? I think everything, I think there's, a, there's an, an event that's going to take place on the lake this year, but I'm not the person to, to announce that. But it will also involve Green Pond. I know it was a private group that came in and y'all gave permission, but uh, long delays at shores of Asbury, uh, shipping weather, other issues they didn't anticipate. Are they still planning to open next year? Or have you talked to anybody? From what we from what we talked to them, they're planning on opening next next year. I mean, right when they got started, the Corps of Engineers came in there and said, "Hold on a minute, we got to cut all these dead trees out." And we took a lot of grief for cutting the trees down. We didn't cut the trees down. The Corps of Engineers decided to do that, and they reigned supreme on Lake Hartwell. Right. All right. Uh, a major part of the budget is always, um, you know, infrastructure and stuff. Looking back, we're sort of the midpoint in the budget now. How is the budget for the county looking at the midpoint of the year? Good, good. Uh, as I mentioned Rita Davis earlier, she watches everything very closely and makes sure that everything is well in line. And we also have some uh, very savvy council people who understand finances and they look at it and our finance chairman Brett Sanders keeps a close eye on everything as all the members of council do so we're in good shape we're in good shape the growth the growth that we've had has been good for Anderson County does it have problems associated with but but it's been good and allow us allowing us to do more things and one of the biggest parts of that budget is always the things that people don't think about uh, water wastewater and sewer and of course people do talk about roads uh, have, has the sewer expansion this year gone as is planned to increase economic? Yes, we're, we're going to probably spend, not probably, we are going to spend around $33 million, and that's not counting additional grant money that we're going to receive. We'll probably spend $30 million on sewer this year to put sewer at exit 14. We're almost there. We just need four people to allow us an easement. And I mean, one of them is not half as big as this room. So as soon as we can do that, we know exit 14 will blow up. And we like development on the interstate because it leaves the rest of the county, you know, free and easy and peaceful. You put it on the interstate. I know a hotel that's chomping at the bits to go there right now. And what would you do if you got that hotel? Boy, you'd be real close to Green Pond, wouldn't you? Bang, you're right there. I think yeah, people don't think about that. Y'all get calls from people saying, what are you doing at this exit because we'd like to come there, right? Yes, I mean, wh yes. When are you going to have things ready for us yeah, to that, come and, in? And they're, they're waiting. All right, one of the biggest news stories of the year was the launch of the countywide EMS system with new and added vehicles and ambulances and more places around the county. Uh, first of all, what are the advantages? Remind people what the advantages why county council voted to do this. In the past, there were numerous uh, EMS agencies scattered around the county. There was no, no one central organization. Some were absolutely top-notch and some were maybe could have used some help. So council has been looking at this for four or five years and they said this is what we need to do. We need to have our paramedics and the county now has around 50 paramedics that work for Anderson County. Nobody in the world can get paramedics. We have paramedics. They are in QRVs, quick response vehicles. Our goal, council's goal, is to have somebody to you under nine minutes and 50 seconds. We've been exceeding that. Do we still have a few bumps? I guarantee you we have some bumps. But our job is to get there to you. We monitor where those people are. Council just to spend some more money to improve 
where these vehicles go. Because when one moves to go take care of this emergency, another one has to move halfway to fill in. So it's a big chess game that goes on seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So we're getting it out. <clears throat> we contract with MedShore slash Priority for BLS, Basic Life Support. They're supposed to, after our paramedics are there, they get there and if you need to go to the hospital, they will carry you to the hospital. And our paramedic can ride with that ambulance to the hospital. But our paramedic corps, they are top notch, they are dedicated, and they seem to really like the schedule because they do what they went to be a paramedic for. They go try to fix you. They don't want to drive the ambulance, <clears throat> haul stretchers around, which will wear you out. They get to go do medicine right there. And none of this would be possible without ANMED and their huge financial contribution and their oversight committee and all of the effort that they've put, they put in this. When you see our vehicles, you know, it says Anderson County. Also, it says ANMED. So it's a pure partnership and it's been a seamless partnership. The only ones that aren't like that, we have some red ones, but those go into fire departments and fire departments like red things. So you, how would council rate how things are going since September since it was launched? I think, I think they're pleased, but they always expect uh, perfection. And I can assure you that every time one of them gets a call that this didn't happen or this didn't happen, we have three people who will investigate that to find out what happened. I mean, sometimes it turns out, we, we had one that was a big brouhaha, well, it finds out that we were there, but then the person told us to leave. After we'd been gone about seven minutes, see, that was a bad decision. So then we had cleared, then we had to come back. So it looked like it took us a long time to get there. It only came out later. Well, yeah, I told them to leave, so. But, but have we made mistakes that we shouldn't have? Yes, we've done that, I promise you that. It's a complicated field all the way around to, to do. Seven days, and, yeah. 24 hours. Chess. If you have a big pile up on 85, that throws a kink into everything, and a big pile up on 85 is becoming a regular occurrence. County also received some pandemic relief funds. Uh, what priorities has council set for these? Infrastructure, of those? infrastructure, infrastructure, putting sewer in the ground. One of the things Councilman Ray Graham had a meeting this week with uh, people. There's a huge demand for housing down towards the Star area and below. We have got to get some sewer lines in that part of the world. We are in the process of developing those plans in association with Star Iowa Water Company and Homeland Park Water Company to allow those housing developments that want to go down there, but they don't have sewer. That's a big push. Is broad broadband still a priority? Absolutely, again, <clears throat> we're getting very close to uh, fixing that situation. Not fixing it, but knowing exactly where our weak spots are. Uh, we had meetings with uh, WCTEL and Blue Ridge this week. We're in constant contact with them. We're waiting for the stimulus money to come down. We had meetings with Charter this week who said that they were going to run some lines in some areas that really need it because they're going to get grant money too. So hopefully we can fill, fill the gaps because we do have gaps in Anderson County. And the library, Annie Sutton and them have taken a stopgap measure to try to help folks in the meantime with uh, hot spots and... Council uh, granted those funds to uh, allow that to happen, especially in areas where it may be uh, more difficult than others. Yeah, it's been, 
our library's really stepped up during this 2021 year too. Again, everybody's done a good job. Everybody, faith, and now they got a new director. And everybody in Anderson County has stepped up, and they've worked very hard. And and just always like to remind people that Anderson County never closed during COVID. Uh, we might have had a slowdown in service, kind of in the real estate section, because you know we had to create new ways to do things. But uh, we never closed. We never stopped. Uh, our law enforcement people never stopped. They still went into when COVID was raging, which I hope it doesn't come back and rage again. They still had to go break up the domestic disturbance at three o'clock in the morning. Our paramedics, they still had to go take care of people, no matter what you walking into that house or in that situation. And just everybody in the county, we still had to operate sewer treatment plants and make sure all the lines were working. So. You, you can't stop, you can't say, we're not going to do this. And a lot of people got exposed to some rather dangerous situations, but the people who work with Anderson, who work for Anderson County uh, are the best people in the world because they care, and I mean they really care. And even, like, some people would consider, you know, uh, and other counties, I think, did just shut down their libraries and stuff during, they didn't even try to, when, to work, to, you know, the situations that are essential that people don't think about as essential. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are essential that you don't think about until they don't work. And the fact that if somebody doesn't come take care of you when you're having a heart attack, that's essential. You may not see it. I bet your neighbor who had the heart attack sees it. Also in 2021, council finalized deals on the conservation development guidelines for subdivisions. Yes. Why, why is this important? What that is is trying to control growth, but it's also trying to make it more orderly and also make sure that you have more green space and that's the prime motivator on it. And if you do a conservation subdivision, you can have smaller lots, but you're leaving wide areas open for recreation. I think it's the wave of the future. It's been done all over the country, and council worked diligently on that. So now we have that as a tool. And it, it, is, it does, like you're saying, avoids those ugly, just jammed-in houses, acre after acre. Levittown, Levittown, boom, 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 boom. It puts some style. And, you know, it's attractive. It's a nice place to live. Well, housing is scarce, especially affordable housing. Is there anything council and county can do to help? The thing we can do is put those sewer lines and in association with water companies, put those water lines out and allow people to have places to live. That's what, that's what we can do. What council can also do is make sure that they keep wages rising so people can afford houses. Those are the things they're doing. Also, they're trying to keep the renters and people who can't pay their electricity in their houses. But there are a whole lot of people who want to do houses. And one of the big things on this mill redevelopment project we're doing, those will be attainable homes and apartments. And I hate the term affordable, and I hate low income. They're attainable. And that's what we, we lack, attainable. Uh, to get an apartment right now in Anderson County, Average probably going to cost you average $1,250. That's average for an apartment if you can find one. And that means your your hourly income needs to be $24 an hour just to get an average apartment. To get an average apartment, how are you going to save up? Right. And that you mentioned that development that that is potential. When you talk about the other mills too, that those places do bring in the kind of housing closer to town, closer to jobs, the walkability sort of stuff. You, you do Equinox, you do the Chemtex project, the Anderson Mill project takes place, the Toxway project over there, 
Where are those people going to go? You're going to dump them right here in town. What's that going to do? You're going to have more restaurants, more stores. The people that are here are going to have more customers, and they're going to be happier and more. Because I just believe, you know, you need you need to achieve a critical mass, and then it feeds off itself. Hey, man, I'm going to go there. These people are making a whole lot of money. And look at this restaurant over here, and we don't have this restaurant over here. Or we don't have this store, we have to go to Greenville. Well, well, pretty soon you will. And how come we don't have this high-end grocery store? Well, pretty soon you will. It's not something we think, it's what we know. Because those companies have metrics that they look at and say, once you hit this number, we're, take, we're take, there, right? Take the cookie cutter, demographics, income, a location, you pop it down, we're going there. That's how that works. Uh, the final uh, census numbers came in this year. Yes. Do you think Anderson County got a good count? It can't, I think it put us a little bit under 200, two, 205,000. I think every census count is low across the country because really they cut it off a year before, and everybody knows that COVID caused the count to be to to be lower, and. Uh, we did everything we could. Zoe did everything she could going out and trying to get people to participate in the census. So I'd feel comfortable saying we probably have around 215,000 people at a minimum. But I would imagine tomorrow it'll be 200,015 and another 100. And one of the most interesting parts of that census news was the income jump from 39 to 54,000. Yep, and that, and that makes us smile all day long. That's the whole point. That's the reason. A beautiful place attracts people. Attracts people. They have a good place to work. If they want to go to school close by, they can. They can go to Tri County Tech, then Clemson. They can go to AU, then go to Clemson. Then go to AU and stay there. That new engineering program that Anderson University is in the process of starting up is going to be gangbusters because there's a shortage of engineers. All of that stuff. All of that stuff adds, and it's all right here. We don't have to go a long ways to do it, and we don't have to, our best and brightest don't have to go somewhere. To get a job. Some of them do because all young people want to get out and move around. My daughter, my youngest daughter, okay, she went and worked for the public health service on the Indian reservation. So I got her, I got her out of New Mexico and I've got her close and I'm about to get her back home. But she had to go do that. But now there are opportunities for her to do that. I was going to say 25 years ago, there was no reason to come back. There's no reason to come back, but now people are coming back. And I hope one of these days you're going to surprise me with your answer to this question, but any progress being made on the courthouse elephant pen? Uh, we'll probably put, be putting it out to be grassed here shortly. Still not the development, not the ideal development, but as the growth continues happening downtown and all of these mill sites get redeveloped and the Palmetto building opens up for full occupancy and some of these other projects that are going to put more people down here, that will be the time to do it. And so you want to do it at exactly the right time. That changes everything, right? That changes everything. I mean, we had one development, and they said, well, we just want to put all apartments back there. I don't want all apartments back there. There should be townhomes back there. There should be retail. We close that road behind the courthouse. You make a plaza. It would kill. It would kill. And we've touched on this earlier, that construction is continuing on the walking track that will reach from the Civic Center to AnMed Health to Campus It's visible on both ends now. They're yes. working on the McConnell Springs end and on the Civic Center end. Yes. Did they give you a potential completion date, or it just depends on weather? Or? I think the weather. I, they're working pretty hard on both I mean, ends. That, that company hadn't messed around, okay? They're doing everything they can, and they're doing it with great dispatch. But we'll just have to see when that gets through. I'm hoping maybe in about six months it might be, but... I may be just being ambitious. And that's 
walking to school and stuff, but you also mentioned it, it could extend eventually. Well, first of all, I think it's going to connect to the city trails pretty quick. Yeah. But then maybe to Pendleton, Clemson. That and you would, mentioned even one of these vision casting out to that Williamston, Pelham, yeah, but that, that would be wonderful. I mean, it would be good for business. It would be good for people. It would be good for everything. And, I mean, you know, we're not thinking about what, what's going to happen in the future. There's no reason to be around here. This is not a status quo operation. Finally, January is almost here. Is there any really big news coming out the first few weeks of 2022? People want Probably some economic development announcements if we can get everything done in time. Certainly in January, we expect something good. And so wrapping it up, did, was 2021 as good as you'd hoped it would be? Did you accomplish most of what you wanted to accomplish? Or? Never accomplish everything you want to do because we have, the council has such a long list of things that they want to do, but they're looking forward to a lot of this stimulus money coming down to put on roads and other enhancements that can be done in Anderson County. And so the uh, C-Fund Committee is going to get more money so they'll be able to do more and just try to be ready before anybody else so when they open that spigot, we can catch it all. The county also saw four new police chiefs take the helm in 2021. Uh, Pendleton had uh, Chief Robert Crosby, West Pelzer's uh, Chief Scott Stoller, Belton Chief Ross Ritchie, and Iva Chief Chuck Hamden all were interviewed in previous Anderson's River podcasts. You can check those out online. Uh, they're each energized and happy to be serving in their communities. And I think the communities are, are fortunate to have people who are that committed to the to work of the community and community law enforcement. The city of Anderson also saw, saw the completion of the downtown hotel and parking garage in 2021, something they've been working on a while, a major goal. And as well as expanded recreation and annexation opportunities that the city saw this year. Anderson Mayor Terrence Roberts and I talked about the year in review just before the holidays. Uh, it's been a year to catch up from a year we kind of lost. Uh, no doubt. How, how has the city recovered and made, made steps towards getting back to normal this year? You know, I think probably the, obviously the COVID-19 seems like it's been going on forever, but you know, the last two years has been tough on, on on us all as a as a community as um, local government and we've had to make changes and that's not good i think um i'm a sports guy and i, I think that the word pivoted has been used uh, i asked somebody the other day do you actually know what a pivot is you know and but you know obviously um that's a word that's become very popular everybody pivoted and so we we did the same thing and we had to um first of all um, we had to react to the health aspects of the pandemic and our guys our guys did a good job in in in, in talking about you know the host. Uh, obviously stay six feet apart and wash your hands and social distancing and we, we put up a lot of uh, pop-up events where we give out um, masks and sanitizers and, and just I, I think uh, <clears throat> a little partial but I, I think we were somewhat a model of, of people um, governments that, that stepped in and, and did the um, the first parts of the pandemic and um, uh, that was great, and um, you know. And after the pandemic, we had to worry about business license, uh, businesses going out of business, and you know the struggle there, and the pandemic stopping. And so we, we did have to uh, pivot and make some changes, make some allowances for business license extending due dates, and, and trying to be um, responsible in that way. 
and so hopefully there um, the light is flickering at the end of the tunnel um, we came through fairly well um, our timing in regards to some economic development projects allowed us to to basically incubate those projects uh, mainly one big one um, throughout the the 18 month two month period and so um, hopefully um, I think the um, the virus, the variants will be around, my opinion. Um, just talking to some of the medical professionals around town. And, um, but, you know, we, we hopefully will go forward and have a strong um, recovery. Just talking about this, let's just do the economy stuff first. Um, talk about some of the big economic uh, development moves in 2021 for the city. Probably the, the biggest one was the hotel and parking garage. Uh, and we, actually closed on the hotel um, the week of the shutdown and we're sitting there uh, signing papers on the closing of the financing of you know which ended up being uh, a, a, a 10 million dollar project and we used some hospitality money and so we borrowed the rest and just that day the banker uh, said he just got a call from his boss and said that's probably the last deal um, of, 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 of the year here. And um, we came within a hair of probably having a hotel um, but not being able to um, do the parking garage simultaneously as the hotel. But as things worked out, um, we were able to start both of those projects. Uh, and um, as you know, um, a couple months ago to two months ago now, um, both projects open. Um, the hotel, I think, again, was a game changer. It's been very exciting to, to watch the reaction to it, um, to see um, people come in and use it. I think we've had a couple of um, Clemson home games since the opening of the hotel, and, and they very, um, um, the, the, the people visiting have reacted very well to it. Uh, I understand that they sold out the hotel, uh, I think, both of those weekends. And so um, it, and it just puts more people downtown, and, it's, you know, um, and, and it allows us to grow. And it showed that we deserved a, um, a seat at the table uh, in big economic development moves. And so um, I, I will continually thank some of the local guys that helped us get people, the Steve Kays and the John Glens and, um, you know, um, Jeff Waters, Ron Haskell. You know, um, those were local people who uh, took their money and made a bet. And it's, it's allowed us to now to have outside developers um, from other parts of not only the state, other parts of the country that are looking to invest in Anderson. The parking garage, is the roof still in the works on what's going to be done up there? <coughs> you know, it, it's still, um, um, obviously, it's built out for a uh, restaurant, uh, kitchen facilities, let's say that. Um, it has a nice indoor um, setting. We uh, intentionally, um, just because I think the timing was not right um, during the opening of the hotel, we, we didn't have a, a opening of the parking garage and I think we would plan on doing that first quarter of this year. So uh, it probably um, 
you know, if you have been up there to see the views and so forth, it's, it's a beautiful view. But to your point, I think we're actively, um, again, um, outside people coming in and and saying, hey, you know, um, we like space. Um, most governments wouldn't have thought about a parking in a parking garage to have a, a rooftop venue. And so I understand, I have not had these conversations that, you know, we've showed it to people and said, well, we've got to, uh, I think it'll work, but we've got to get um, natural gas and, and water and plumbing and restaurants. And so we already got that. Okay, so, and I, and I think people are developers and, and, and folks that um, are looking to, Occupy that space. So appreciate the fact that our council was foresighted enough to say, "Let's go ahead and do it." And at, at some point, somebody take it. So, hopefully, definitely, probably in 2022, we'll have a venue there. What it is, um, would they'll just take advantage of the amenities up there? You know, a lot of people are excited about that space. Yeah, yeah. I am too. What else uh, has been going on downtown? Let's start. Let's start with housing. How's the housing situation looking downtown? Uh, downtown um, is 100% occupied and has been for several years. Um, you, you, you look at the spaces that are um, that are um, available for rent or purchase, uh, and, and there's always a list. Uh, obviously, one of the things that um, probably should happen uh, first of the year is that the Palmetto Building. It's my understanding that they're actively leasing spaces right now, and I think their plans are to be open very soon, first quarter, uh, hopefully the first month of the year. So again, what that does is it puts um, 31 units or so downtown, uh, which helps everything else downtown, and so that's a big component. We think that um, that apartment um, complex will uh, has already showed the outside world that there are other possibilities for um, downtown living, whether that be condos or apartments or there are uh, a lot of things um, in the works and projects um, and hopefully we can announce one very soon. But, um, but again, uh, our community has not had um, uh, not only are apartments downtown, we're 100% here, uh, apartments all over the city are uh, 100%. Um, we hadn't had a, um, a major apartment complex built in years. And so there is some demand out there. And so um, hopefully that component of it, um, I think, will go forward in 2022. Um, and, and, and residential housing is, is, is booming too. Um, Though I want to say that we have, um, I think I'm right on this, Greg, but um, uh, 2,000 units planned um, um, and more to come. And the growth's happening all over the city, and especially, uh, uh, I told someone this the other day, uh, I wish Miss Floyd was still alive because um, she would be tickled that uh, residential housing, new developments are happening in the South East Anderson part, the, the, the district that she represents. So we have um, uh, annex some land on um, Broadway Lake Road and, and Belton Highway. 
um, townhomes, um, residential housing there, 29 south um, toward the jockey lot, I guess that would be north, 29 north, um, housing development also, uh, and, and obviously in the uh, Midway Road, um, 81 corridor is, is booming, and so uh, and that market's been hot, hot, hot for a while, but it's expanding too. So um, we, we have, um, um, our county has done a good job of attracting um, jobs, manufacturing jobs, and these folks have to have somewhere to live, and so um, uh, and that's happening right now. What else uh, has been going on economically? Let's, let's let's just start with downtown or anywhere in the city limits that, that in 2021 sort of begin to take root or, or is being planned. Mm, you know the um, you know as I came through downtown um, today, I, I I passed the um, know what we're calling it we hadn't named it yet we need to come up with a name but <laughs> but um, the, um, the the magnetic brewery plaza um, they've started renovation of the old I'm gonna call it the the den the restaurant and I noticed that uh, John Wright and his company are starting that demolition um, we are narrowing um, the the two-way the four-way um, street from um, Tribble um, through Calhoun and so that will go from will shrink that from four lanes to two lanes parking on both sides um, streetscapes and we'll take that streetscape we'll go toward Calhoun to McDuffie and finish that um, next to Electric City Brewery and, 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 and get some infrastructure going there um, but I think that's dynamic in the fact that um, you know, we, we plan a lot and that was part of shock this block and, you know, some of these areas are part of, and I'm proud of that's part of what citizen participation say, what do you want Anderson to do? You know, we need a downtown hotel and, um, and, and quite frankly, um, we had already started working on that, you know, even as they spoke, but, you know, um, and the Greenville Street um, corridor was a, another and so you know you start planning and and you have all these areas that you can show people and so um, just pretty excited about um, that development uh, magnetic south I think it 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 adds another venue another park to our to our system and um, obviously we just had the Christmas tree lighting um, Christmas parade um, Friday and Sunday and there, there were, um, I've been doing this a long time, and so, I mean, the, the Christmas tree lighting, along with the opening of um, Holiday Ice at Carolina Wren Park, um, some of the things that we have going um, in, in partnership with the Market Theater and Scott Foster's book, uh, but, you know, it's, it was more of a, the continuation of the same vibe that you see um, uh, over the last few years. Well, that expanding down to Greenville Street really expands downtown, and it looks like in the future, if they get the Equinox Mills site cleaned up, town city can expand yeah. even further out in that direction. Part of the biggest thing, you know, I, and that's a good point, um, 
main, downtown's just not Main Street. Um, it's the east-west expansion of downtown. That's a good point with the Equinox Mills. Um, and, you know, we, we have mill sites that need to be redeveloped. And so that, um, that, that ends up being, um, um, uh, to coin Greenville, um, it could be our west end. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you get an anchor and you have things going uh, not only north and south, but east and west. And so, um, and, and I think that'll happen uh, naturally over the, over, over the lifetime of, of our development in the city. Um, downtown's just not Main Street. I talk about this a lot. You know, we actually have a hotel in downtown and people say, where? So that's downtown. I mean, uh, we have a downtown university. Where? AU, that's downtown, you know, so we, um, a lot of communities would um, um, die to have uh, within blocks institutions like hospitals and universities um, within uh, a five, six block. And so I think the growth of um, what we've done infrastructure-wise will continue to pay its dividends when the private sector comes in. And, and, and they kind of take root of doing things uh, in regards to housing and hotels, retail, and that type of thing. And you mentioned the tree lighting and the other. How has the social life of the city returned this year back in force here? I think probably um, the, and we were very conservative. We were, um, as far as budgeting goes, and we pulled back revenues from business license and hospitality money. And um, we um, uh, property tax, and so, um, and, and and I think we came out better than what we thought. Um, I think, you know, the pandemic they, it really hurt um, our mom and pop businesses, um, and and being the owner of a small little insurance company, uh, I get, you know, the the idea of people, you know, that, that were um, were blindsided by the pandemic, that suffered through the pandemic. But having said that, we have a, a very um, strong commercial quarter, um, and the big boxes did well. Uh, obviously, if you own a stock, own stock in Home Depot and uh, Walmart and Sam's and and Target and, and all of those places, Lowe's, they did well. And um, that allowed us to maybe um, uh, survive the pandemic, maybe more so than, than some other cities who didn't have that commercial development. So it, it was helpful for us. So I, I think um, it, it is kind of interesting. We're in Christmas season and um, uh, their uh, events and, um, and and I think people are being careful still but it, it, and vaccinations or I understand at our hospital that um, even uh, even though there's the talk about shots no shots um, but um, I, I think um, more more people are getting vaccinated um, our, Hospital employees are getting vaccinated, and uh, and I think hopefully people feel safer being out. I, my my gut tells me people feel safer being out. 
And the the Main Street program returned this summer, and and the the, the Market Theater and Electric City Playhouse. Some of the stuff's coming back that mm -hmm. was missing from those mm -hmm. elements too. Yep, you're right, and um, and and I I just don't think going forward, um, knock on wood, that we'll have to shut down like we did before. Um, we we might uh, have to <laughs> pivot again. But, um, but you know, I mean, I, I, I think everybody is uh, feeling better about the aspects of moving forward. Looking ahead to quarter one of 2022, hard to believe we're saying that. Is there anything on your radar, council's radar, that y'all are at least vision casting out first part of the year? Yeah, I mean, we still have um, a, a lot of um, business activity going on um, that we hope to announce then. You know, and even looking, I think um, we've had 17 new businesses open in the Central Business District in 2021, which is huge. Uh, I think um, there will be more of that going forward. Um, we, um, I, I think part of it is um, we, we are you know, more than anything, a very attractive place to to to, to retire uh, and relocate. The city just got uh, announced uh, last week. Uh, we got notified by AARP that we are um, one of the, one of the top ten cities um, um, after the pandemic to um, to retire. And I would say even relocate, and it, yeah, I think it's live and retire. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know, it's always nice to be recognized on that stage, um, that national stage, and and um, we're the smallest city. I mean, uh, compared to uh, Philadelphia, and somebody from Philadelphia said, "Why would anybody want to live in Philadelphia?" And I said, "Well, you know, the 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 thing that I think even in Philadelphia is is that." Um, even though Philadelphia is a big city, they um, have done a very good job in neighborhoods and places where people can live. And, and, and the, the other thing that I think, too, is, is that from a retirement relocation, we check off a lot of boxes. We check off um, mild climate, low cost of living, um, a variety of housing opportunities, world-class health care. We happen to be in between the environments of two major universities with Anderson University and Clemson University, big-time sports, um, shopping amenities, and um, I'm forgetting some. Oh, yeah, we just so happen to be adjacent to the largest lake in the region with hundreds of miles of shorelines. And so we check off a lot of boxes when people are looking to um, relocate and retire and for work opportunities, business opportunities. And, and I think the, the other thing to, to all of us is, is that we knew it. And it's, it's good to be recognized that other people realize it too. So um, I, I think all of that momentum will carry into 2022. Um, I, I think that um, between um, our city government and our county government and all our municipalities. I mean, can you believe um, Pendleton, um, Williamston, um, West Pelzer, 
uh, Pelzer, you know, all of these communities are um, part of what I call our region, Anderson County, but it's our region. And our region stretches into northeast Georgia and Pickens and Oconee County. I consider that our region, and we kind of sit right in the middle of it. And so um, I, I think everything, the future is very bright for the whole region. Like Anderson, other towns in the county saw the return of festivals and other activities. You've, you've heard the interviews I've done in the past several weeks with uh, Mayor Rocky Burgess of Williamson and town manager Ivan and Tim Taylor. The other cities also have been interviewed. You can find them on the Anderson Observer podcast. I mean, Anderson Observer's YouTube channel or find them on the AndersonObserver.com. See these interviews with the other mayors. The other cities have had quite a bit of progress in 2021. Pendleton not only rebooted the Jubilee, but it also cleaned up the old oil mill site and, and, and put out plans for expansion of downtown. Belton Standpipe Festival returned to good crowds, and they saw a growing economy in Belton. Uh, Pelzer's major announcement was the re- renovation of the old mill site property, and they expect it to kick off major spinoffs all around that community. Pelzer also saw the return of the Pelzer Light people for the holidays. And the Honey Path Mayor uh, Christopher Burton is pleased with the advancements in his town, and he's planning to reboot the Honey Sop Festival in 2022. A lot of big things going on. And you can visit, like I said, the Anderson Observer YouTube page to see interviews of all these mayors of these towns recapping the year in review. One note there is um, the Mayor Pelzer, Will Raglan, who's also founder and director of the Milltown Players, also faced a difficult year after a strong reboot in the summer for the organization. The annual Christmas show had to be canceled at the 12th hour just the weekend before the launch of the show due to multiple cast members testing positive for COVID. Uh, cost, I think, the, the Milltown Players more than $22,000, and they were ready to go on that one and pretty excited about it. But the Milltown players do reopen this weekend with their popular Broadway cabaret show, and tickets are available for Friday and Saturday. You can find that on Facebook or on their website. The Market Theater and other groups face similar setbacks in 2021, and let's hope 2022 is better for our performing arts. And looking ahead to 2022, one of the best pieces of news is the return of the Anderson Soiree, April 29th to 30th, to downtown after such a long absence. The city of Anderson is too big not to have had a signature event, and the return is welcome. So we look forward to more information on that. Uh, the opening of the very first uh, couple of stages of the totally new Kid Venture Park will also be uh, met with a ribbon cutting on Memorial Day, be open and ready for kids. And this is thanks to the efforts of the county employees and private citizens such as Julia Woodson, who has been a tireless advocate and fundraiser for the project. The new park will be totally ADA accessible and feature a splash pad and some other new elements, and the future will see even more stuff. And of course, if you've not been to Kid Venture lately, it's at the Civic Center, and that construction is underway. The so-called elephant pen behind the historic courthouse, which is the urban canyon left by the demolition of the old Bales Woolworth buildings, should have grass growing by spring and maybe earlier, and that's going to look so much better. I know, as uh, Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns said, this is a piece of property that they are moving slowly on just because they figure that whatever decisions they make here will impact Anderson for the next century. So they're moving slow to make sure they do it exactly right. This year will also, in 2022, bring midterm elections. And in one of the local incumbents, South Carolina House 8 Representative Jonathan Hill, has a challenger for the seat, veteran Anderson City Councilman Don Chapman, who is an Anderson architect and who resigned from city council recently to challenge Hill for this seat. And I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about his decision and why he's decided to run for the state house. I know that's uh, how long do how long are you on city council? Uh, thirteen and a half years. What made you want to run for city council to start with? It was you know I was in a group of of people who uh, we were just trying to see 
how to better Anderson. And through, through meeting over the years with that, some discussion was brought up that, um, that we would end up, you know, one of the ways is to try to get on, on uh, city council. And I was never involved in high school politics, college politics, because I worked all the time. And so... Um, yeah, architecture doesn't give you much free time. It is not. That's why a lot of the buildings they call it the land of the or the uh, land of the midnight sun because <laughs> the building lights are always on, and and I've worked all through, you know, I put myself through college and so I've worked full time for a number of architects over the years. So, um, what did you? What were you surprised most about when you? Um, started doing public service was there something that you didn't expect to be um i guess the probably the the primary thing would be having run a a, a small business you know when we make decisions we implement them and move move to the next and and a lot of times we're working for project for clients who make decisions and then move forward unless it's a committee-based project but um so so the slow wheel of government tended to be something I had to get used to because there's a process. You know, you have to have, you usually have to study it a little bit, discuss it through either committee or through um, through open session, and and then decide to move forward or not, or get more information, and then have a first and then a second. So um, it, it, that would probably be the primary thing. Is it's it tends to move slower than than private business does and I think the maybe the the further you get up in in government it tends to I think government tends to become even slower um, you know smaller municipal and county governments it can work a little faster but then I think when you get to the state there's more process to it and then in the federal level it's even more right and you mentioned the other night, and other people have talked about, you enjoyed your time on city council. Absolutely. And obviously as an architect, understanding building and all, you brought a lot to the table just coming in there. What made you want to take a step to the next level to state government? Um, I think it was, you know, because I, I struggled with it, because I thought about it a, a couple of years ago, and then I, you know, timing wasn't right from a, from a family and personal level. Um, we just... And then so when I made this step this time, my wife and I, we've owned a piece of property uh, in Townville that we've had about seven years. My business is in the district. Um, we've, had, we've been here now, I think, close to 12 years. Um, we moved from downtown into, the, into this building um, because it was a little bit more accessible for the deliveries and things. But, but a lot of it had to do with that I, I feel like the area is a little bit underserved and that it, it's a, uh, I want to bring a, a professional, positive approach to uh, implementing some of the things of how we run projects today with, with bringing people together to work for solutions. And um, I mean, that's the primary reason. And I, and I, and I love that area. It, it's a, uh, I think it's got a, it's got a huge opportunity with the lake. Um, the district, I think, serves nearly five intersections of the interstate. Um, uh, I want to, you know, kind of look at bringing new industry to that, you know, to those 
to the interstate access. I want to, you know, improve the uh, and maintain the quality of life around the lake and its its economic impact that it has for Anderson because I think it's huge. I think, you know, I think if if we didn't have Lake Hartwell, Anderson would be like a lot of other small towns in uh, in South Carolina and other states that really don't have a beautiful natural resource that is is you know is a has an economic impact a, a, a very positive economic impact to our community were there other folks like in the area that were encouraging you to run were there people that ask you to run or yeah i mean i've i've had i've had a number of people that have just asked that that live in the area that 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 wanted me to you know kind of bring those same uh the same direction that I tried to bring to city council, um, and but but at the end of the day, it's about whether or not I felt like I needed to, and whether I could make a you know some positive change that's much needed to that area. And you know members of the delegation already, right? You know most of the members of the Anderson I'm, County Legislative Delegation. Yes, I've know I know um, I don't know all of them as well as maybe some, but I'm I've, over the years I've met all of them. Um, you know whether you know I serve on uh, serve on the ANATS committee um, that I've served on it for almost the entire time I've been on city council, um, and you know Richard Cash is on that uh, committee, um, and Thayer is on that committee, um, and over the years I've I've known you know Senator Gambrell and and all the others that are on the uh, you know in the delegation. What do you think in Columbia, what are the biggest, because you serve in your district, but you're also serving the whole state. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing the state legislature in the next few years? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, as, as, I mean, it's, I think it's evident that I'm, I'm, um, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-gun, um, I'm pro-business. And those are the three main things that I think are, are that I think face, face our state. And um, with that, I mean, you have you have a number of things that have to do that I'm not I'm not as familiar with that I would I look forward to learning more about it is, uh, you know, the ports, you know, I mean, from everything I'm reading and everything I've seen, you know, the, our ports are a big major contribution to our state. And especially in the last you know year, it seems like that's a big issue so I think that's a that's a, a pretty important issue um, but the, you know that because even though it's a lower lower state issue um, that's you know it's affecting more of that but it affects the entire state and the entire country because it it feeds the economic uh, uh, transportation of, of the entire state so um, but there's a um, I guess there's a variety of other issues. I mean, it's um, you know I'm 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 pro gun. I, you know I'm I pro police, um, pro public safety in general. I, you know I, I worked on the rescue squad when I was started when I was 14, and I've always believed that you know public safety is paramount to everything we do in a community. It doesn't matter how how beautiful our lakes are, or how beautiful our parks are, and how wonderful businesses if people don't feel safe you know uh, uh, being able to go to work or, or raise a family and and so those are those of us are, are also real key issues for me um, 
that, that affect the entire state. What do you think you bring to the table? You're going to be running against an incumbent. What do you bring to the table that your incumbent may not, your opponent may not have skills-wise or whatever? I think the key would be, for me, would be, um, is I have a proven track record of working for solutions for people to, to solve problems. I mean, that's primarily all we do. That's all I've ever done for 35 years being in architecture. We, we, we look at a set of challenges and we try to figure out a solution and work with people to, to come up with an end result. And that's my main goal is to try to make sure that the, you know, look at the real issues that affect the community, whether it be, you know, you know the, the, the firefighters or the police that are volunteer and, and work with the county and the city, um, whether it be, uh, it could be a number of issues, but, but my main goal is to try to, try to uh, give an, a, a direct problem-solving solution to the, the area's problems. Because at the end of the day, I think people want to have a government that works. You know, and, you know, although they want it to be limited, you know, uh, but I, I think that's the end of the day, that's the, what people want to have, is they want to have a government that works and, and problems and solutions are being met. I guess, are you putting together your campaign now? I mean, do you have a strategy in place? Are you ready to get, hit the ground running here? We're, it's, there, it was a process because I had to, I had to, you know, first step off of, Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was a stop, uh, a process because I first had to resign, and then um, you know I'll move my my residency to the to the lake, um, but uh, you know it's it, I, we're we're in the process of building that and trying to establish, you know, and be more familiarized with some of the some of the issues uh, and bills that are that are out there. I mean I, I'm. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not experienced enough with each of the, the bills because I've been dealing with, with, you know, city-related issues and, and my business here. And so that's what I look forward to learning more about those, uh, those bills and the, and the, and the primary I issues that are dealing with uh, this local community. What about people who've never met you? What do they need to know about you as a person? What do people need to know about you? Well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. God-fearing, uh, God's first and foremost in everything I do and say. That's what I try to always tell myself. And and um, I was raised by a military father um, who is no longer with us. My 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 mother is the same. Um, I, I was raised by a mother who was a stay-at-home mom that raised five kids. Um, my parents didn't really have a lot, but you know they worked really hard and taught me a, taught me a lot about. Um, about you know getting up in the morning, pulling up your bootstraps, and and going to work and, and making things happen. And so, uh, I'm I'm self-made. Um, I walked you know left for college in 1984 with 600 dollars in my pocket, and worked full time, uh, and until I was able to get through school, and when I left I you know owed had taught college debt that my wife and I both put ourselves through college and we you know our combined student loan debt exceeded our household debt um, so I, I know what it takes to make payroll 
when the when the recession was, you know, hit. I mean, it hit architecture and construction hard. I I did my very best to keep everybody employed, um, and you know, and they got paid before we did, you know. And so, I think that's a a key component, and that's the way I've always treated myself on on city council. Is that when I look at a problem, I try to figure out what's the best, most economic solution to solving that problem and then also not having, not wasting money. I cannot stand to waste money. Um, whether it's my client's money that we're, we're doing a project for, I still give the same approach. I act as if it's mine. What's the best value I can give them? And that's my goal for if I go, you know, get to the state house, is that's what I want to do, is want to have that still, that same conservative approach that I want to make sure that we're getting a good value for what what is being provided. We'll catch up some more in a couple of months, but in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you and your candidacy, is there some place they can go? Do they have a website? Do you have Facebook? What are you doing for? So we're just getting that built. Um, I do have a I do have a phone number that's um, 940-6676. Um, you can call me. I'll be happy to um, speak with you if, you if you give me a call. Um, we do have a um, – we're going to be – we will have a, a website. I think it'll be uh, Chapman, uh, Don Chapman for State SC House, John Don Chapman for SC House, and then um, and then we'll have a Facebook page and some other things. I'm not I'm not as active on Facebook as I probably should be. Um, I'm gonna try to get a little better at it. And uh, um, but you know I'm I'm also a person that likes to I like a more personal phone call. Than, than an email, um, you know, I like to meet people in person, uh, same way I do with my clients, it's, it's nice when, you're, when they're in front of you because you can, you can see reactions and how they, uh, you know, their, their, their genuality of, of, of their questions. So. Well, if you got that elevator pitch and somebody said, you know, why should I vote for you, what would you tell them? Um, I would say primarily is if you want somebody who is, who is has a proven track record of being a, uh, a problem solver and a doer, um, that I'm your person, and and you know I usually I, I say what I mean and mean what I say. Um, I will I'll end by you know this right here. This is a the the day I left for college. My mother gave me a little piece of paper that was a quote in the paper. And I just happened to find this about 10 or 15 years later, but it says every job is a self-portrait of the person who did it, so autograph your work with excellence. And to me, that's the way I've always led my business, uh, how I led it when I was on the council, and how I plan to be the Anderson County uh, Voter and Registration Office has often been a model for others in the state. They've come from all over to see how we do things here, and that's because longtime Anderson County Voter Registration Elections Director Katie Smith built such a great program there. Now, Katie retired this year after building this uh, up, and she was replaced by one of her longtime election officials, um, Laura Booth, who worked with her forever and who has continued this tradition of excellence in the office. And I know they're getting ready for this this year. They had an off election year this past year. Uh, with some of the townships and all, and we're able to uh, keep things moving uh, smoothly and get the information out quickly, and we appreciate their efforts. 
And on the last day of 2021, Anderson County has released the first draft of the County Council Redistricting Map. You can see complete details on that if you visit the Anderson Observer, which has a detailed map that you can zoom in on for more information. The map includes some minor changes and impacts 14,805 citizens, around 7.3% of the population. Large copies of this map will be on display around the county in the weeks ahead. And a first reading on the map will be held Tuesday at the first meeting of Anderson County Council for 2022, which has been moved to the Civic Center due to the surge in COVID-19 cases in the county. Chairs will be spread apart and distanced, and masks are encouraged for that meeting, and the public is invited. Uh, the new map, of course, is in response to the law, which requires uh, using the 2020 census to uh, change the lines based on the number of people that live places. So... County Council will vote on first reading only on that new map Tuesday night. There'll be two more readings and some public hearings before that, and probably some more tweaks to the map before that. And on Thursday, the Anderson County Legislative Delegation will outline their priorities for the year ahead at the annual Anderson Area Toasts and Topics meeting at 7.30 at Tucker's. Tickets are available and the uh, at the Chamber's Facebook and web, page and website. It's always a good event, and I look forward to seeing the Anderson County Legislative Delegation in person there again. This week, the Anderson County Arts Center also kicks off the an annual International Festival with this year's focus on Germany. It'll, uh, the kickoff is Tuesday night. There's a lot of events which will be scheduled in the weeks ahead in partnership with the Anderson County Museum, the Arts Center, Anderson County Library System, Belton Area Museum Association, the City of Anderson, and Anderson University and the Kitchen Emporium. So look, look forward to those events. They'll be in the Observer or they'll be on this podcast. And that's about it for this podcast. We want to wish everybody a happy new year from the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. In 2022, we will resume the weekly podcast schedule and include updates on news and interviews with those who are making a difference in our community. So join me next week. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. How can our love go wrong if we start the new year right? Watch the old year die with a fond goodbye and our hopes as high as a kind. How can our love go wrong if we start the new?